It's fine. I'm gonna have like half a pizza. So let's get on. Stop yeah. eating. Less eating, more talking. All right. Hold yeah. on. Swallow it. Sea creatures, touch you the word Aston Martin on your cock because I, Tokyo Choo Choo, am going to be your host today. And uh, with me, as always, are two men one who goes by metal, human metal, and the other who goes by ack, brack. <laughs> How are you guys? How are you, <laughs> human metal? <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. Okay, this, this podcast didn't get any more intelligence since uh, the last time we tried to do it. So. <laughs> Glad we got that out of the way, in case there were any bets in the pool. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we, well I, I've just been home, like, basically burning brain cells. So, <laughs> nothing else to do during Corona. Except drink Corona, which burns <laughs> brain cells. <laughs> and taste buds. That's a horrible drink. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bizarrely, oh, like, it's become so popular recently because of Corona. <laughs> Everywhere you go, Corona's just sold out. You can't give it away. Well, you can. I, mean, <laughs> oh, I wish Corona was sold out. <laughs> Still a bestseller. So, today on The Depths, uh, we're going to be talking all about uh, 007, James Bond. So, recently, I had the insane idea of sitting down and watching all 24 of the official Aeon Bond movies, uh, which is a huge, huge undertaking. It took like a month to, to, to get through all those movies. And by and large, you know what, it was actually uh, uh, a really satisfying thing to do. Um, I even got to watch a couple of Bond movies, which I, I thought I had watched, but actually hadn't watched. Like, I really swear to God that I'd seen Moonraker, but apparently that was not the case, and I hadn't seen Moonraker. Um, uh, but no, I have seen Moonraker, and some other films, like I think uh, Diamonds Are Forever was another one I might not have seen, and I hadn't seen Doctor No either, the first James Bond movie. So I got to see a few movies that um, I hadn't seen before, and got like a lot of understanding about um, the James Bond franchise, and took a real deep dive actually. Like for that month of my life, everything was about James Bond. Like I would listen to James Bond uh, music, I'd watch review videos on youtube about james bond i would listen to james bond podcasts i read a book called bond on bond but written by roger moore um uh, there was uh yeah i just phew, my head was so full of james bond trivia he was drinking all the time having sex unprotected sex with women he's, he's he only met like days earlier we were kind of shady yeah, yeah stuff like that well yeah. that basically that's my life in general brack there's no just no change <laughs> If that was James Bond, if that's what James Bond is, then I am. I'm fucking sign me up. I'm double O schlong. I don't know. Um, Get a sports cross match, Matt Mickelson. You know, like the usual stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if, I mean, if 
if Madame Miss Wilsons would like visit my house, I'd gladly sit in a bottomless chair and have him whack my balls for a bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did that. So what happens uh, now uh, on the podcast is we're going to talk about all 24 uh, James Bond movies. But of course, no one wants to sit through all 24 in one go. So we're actually going to split them up into two episodes of 12 movies each. And we're going to do it in my personal ranking. Um, starting from worst to best. So on this one, we're going to go through number 24 to number 13. Um, again, I stress this is my personal ranking. Um, yeah, and uh, we'll see what the other what the other guys think about my ranking. Um, yeah, so are you ready, guys? Are you ready to jump into the CD world of 007? As ready as we uh, as ready as we'll yeah. ever be. I haven't seen most of these, but I'm just along <laughs> for the ride right now. It's like I'm just mm. like holding on. All right, yeah, fair enough. Just remember, kids, blackmail is not consent. Mm. Actually, that's we'll... very important to keep in mind when watching old James Bond movies. So oh, I'm saying, oh, holy shit, holy shit! Wait till we get to Thunderball. We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get, we'll get into that for sure. Um, all right. So, last on the list, bottom of the barrel, number twenty-four is actually Doctor No. Mm, the 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 first and the worst yes the first and the worst so um before we get into what i think about the movie i'm actually going to give uh well the bad guy's plan so what's the bad guy up to in dr no let's find out so the dastardly dr no has set up a secret base on a jamaican island there he's developed a nuclear powered radio transmitter in order to take control of other countries missiles he plans to ransom the world or rain down destruction so there you go naughty dr no Firstly, why does he need a nuclear-powered radio transmitter? Why is that important to have, for it to be nuclear-powered? Because it has more reach or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't, maybe they don't have any natural electricity on a Jamaican islands. I don't know. But I mean, you know, at least compared to some other villain plans in this franchise, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm going yeah. to control all the web, all the most dangerous weapons in the world, and I'm going to fucking blackmail all the countries uh, so that I don't sh- shoot their own missiles at them and, or something. So, I don't know. I mean, the plan itself is pretty good. It's just the execution that's a bit, well, yeah, all right. out there. So, well, here's my... I mean, like, uh, if you already own your own, like, Jamaican islands, like, what do you need all the blackmail money for? Like, <laughs> what do you do with that money? That's the thing with with most of these movies. It's like you know, if you have the money to set up a base in a volcano, or you know, you're Gustav Graves and you're you know mining conflict diamonds and has a have a, you know have a huge technologically savvy country, then why what are you doing trying to blackmail other countries for money? Although technically that's not what Graves is doing in in uh, Diana. Yeah, day. we'll get to that. Also, yeah, uh, I you're think like, you're already a billionaire. Like, why do you need like what? Why do you have an evil plan? Just like enjoy I, your billions. Yeah, I don't like, think it's like I, like I'm not expecting like uh, a Dutch, the guy who like made Minecraft, that sold for like 1.8 billion dollars to be like, yeah, like now I'm gonna try to control the world. Like, <laughs> well, no, not just not not just turned out, not just turned out to be kind of a supervillain himself. So I guess that fits the bill. But I think Doctor No uh, is uh, like, uh, isn't he working for Spectre? So is, isn't it yeah. more like fund, fund, uh, I don't know, 
he's trying to get funds for that company or something. It's not for he's, his he's personal gain. Yeah, so. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he's he. Okay. Yeah, he's he's like kind of like a a, a really bland specter agent. <laughs> no yes. one no one ever mentions him again. With <laughs> fucking metal hands. Yeah, that just don't work. Um, yeah, and then which which is which is really problematic if you're trying to get out of fucking a pool of water. Turns out. <laughs> yeah, a, a pool of nuclear water. See, I told you his yes. nu- his, his nuclear powered radio transmitter really worked against him and fucked him up. <laughs> mm. So, uh, he, yeah, okay, so here's my uh, breakdown of Dr. No. So, Dr. No is the first James Bond movie. As such, it has an unassailable place in cinema history. Unfortunately, that's all it really has going for it. Sure, it has the iconic first delivery of Bond, James Bond, by Sean Connery, while sat at the casino table. It also has the iconic image of Ursula Andress coming out of the ocean in the bikini. But those two famous scenes are the only recommendable things about the film. Otherwise, it has no interesting action sequences it has really bad choppy pacing and it has a lower budget than subsequent entries the film looks really cheap at points especially in regard to its lighting and sets it feels like a 1960s spy tv show rather than a movie so overall dr no is a bit of a tedious chore to sit through i wouldn't recommend seeking it out unless you're doing a full run of the 007 series like i did so there you go there's there's my kind of breakdown of it i think you're ignoring its best feature What's that? The incredibly, incredibly well-crafted, very, very convincing dragon. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> I, 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 I love the fact that they're like, you know, oh, look, here's some tracks. Oh, these are dragon tracks. They're obviously from an articulated vehicle. Are you fucking blind? <laughs> yeah. What and it's fuck? not like this is... I, I was When I watched it the first time, I was this small child, so I didn't really get it, but... I also, a couple of years ago, I watched most of the James Bond movies with two friends of mine, and they hadn't seen a lot of the old ones. So they also watched Dr. No for the first time. And when that dragon, (laughs) dragon, appeared on screen, one of my friends just fell into a fucking laughter pit. He couldn't get out of it for like at least (laughs) five minutes. He just kept on laughing every every time. (laughs) Oh, the fucking dragon. Oh, it's a dragon. (laughs) <laughs> he was close to dying. He was wheezing, like he was already having the fucking the the Rony V's, and he's he's so fucking uh, he was so fucking out of it. And I could understand it because it's like this thing looks so fucking stupid, and it actually has like this dragon face pendant on the side of it. Like they're actually trying to convince people that this is not a fucking vehicle. And like this it is looks- not the Middle Ages, and the only guy who's falling for it. It's the fucking black guy, which is kind of racist. <laughs> it's really, really, really stupid. It looks like, like like a Mad Max vehicle, you know? Yeah, worse, though. I don't know. It doesn't yeah, have the terrible. edge. It just looks like really bumbling and stupid. And it's like, what the fucking shit is this? It, it also moves about five miles per hour. And you could just yes. literally outrun it. <laughs> It apparently takes also like five million years to load that fucking flame cannon, so you could just fucking I don't know, take a wheel off the thing before they're done with with uh, with, with loading that shit. So I don't know that that thing threw me for for a giant laugh. Uh, it's it's hilarious. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> aged well. No, that that it's the Doctor No is basically Doctor No is just vanilla. Do you know what I mean? That's that's its main problem. It's like everything that Dr. No does has been done much, much, much better in later Bond movies. There's nothing which you, outstanding about it. 
which you can, can forgive if you look at it as for that, it was the first one, and mm-hmm. shit like that maybe wasn't done before. But you know, if sure, if you want to judge it in its own, like what it did in its own time, in its own when it was made, yeah. then I guess it may be, you know, fares a bit better. But like you said, if you compare it to all the shit that came after it, it's just. It's just fucking old. It's like the same when I talk to people about watching the old Frankenstein or something. Yeah, I get its place in time. I get why... I get what it did for cinema in a way. I get that it was the first that did some kind of shit and has a huge legacy. But it just doesn't work today anymore. Like, certain aspects are just dumb and hilarious and super unconvincing. And if people are like, yeah, this is still the best monster movie I've ever seen. It's like, dude, come on. (laughs) <laughs> I, I can understand, like, praising legacy and everything, but Jesus Christ, get with the times. Holy shit. <laughs> and yeah. it's the same for Dr. No, so... Although, although there is... there is uh, I, I didn't mention it in my breakdown, but there is one really cool scene where um, some guy breaks into a house or whatever to kill James Bond, and James Bond catches him off guard and then brutally assassinates him um, with his silent pistol. Yeah, it's like... That's a Schmission version, and you've had your six. Ah, that's pretty. I cool. think there's n- there's no James n- James Bond movie where there's there ever was the question uh, raised who shot first because James Bond doesn't give a shit, <laughs> and the creators of John- James Bond don't give a shit. He can shoot first as much as he want to. He's justified. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, literally license to kill. <laughs> suck on that bitch. Suck, yeah. on, suck on that Greedo, you bitch. Yeah, fuck it. All right, this uh, let's move on to the uh, to the next entry. Unless you have something to say about Doctor No Brack. I haven't seen it. Like, I all right, <laughs> okay. Talking about. I just saw that first. I just while you're talking, I googled the picture of that dragon. I was like, oh my god, that looks ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it, it like it looks it, like a parody from like a children's cartoon or something. You like, should see it moving oh, on screen no. and people reacting to it. Like, yeah. to totally seriously, like, the most dangerous thing they have ever seen, and it's so uncanny and convincing. Uh, yeah, amazing. All right, so from the first to the most recent. So, uh, number 23 is Spectre. Mm. Was that, wait, that should, that should be number 24. Oh, no, 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 okay, I'm getting confused. Okay, it's the, uh, it's the ranked number 23. It's not the 23rd <laughs> movie. Okay, my, my own ranking is confusing me. <laughs> As was expected. So let's see. What really exciting plans are the bad guys up to, Inspector? Hmm. So bad boy Blofeld wants unlimited international surveillance. How will he achieve this? He has a mole planted in the British government who is manipulating votes to pass a bill through International Congress. Um, uh, so we're, we're immediately dealing with the Phantom Menace levels of, like, <laughs> awesome plotting here. <laughs> Yes, I mean Spectre, Phantom, very adjacent to each other. So, Spectre menace, it works. It yeah. works. Oh boy. Yeah, this is uh, yeah. this plot. This plot sounds exact. The summary of this plot sounds exactly as interesting and riveting as the second half of that movie is. Ah, pretty yes. much. I would totally agree with yeah. you, Metal. Mm-hmm. Spectre has the license to be long as fuck as well, because that movie is so long. <laughs> Yeah, like, which, oh my God. which also might kill you, so it's all very, it all works. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, that movie is like two and a half hours. It's insane, yeah. and I still like, I, I like to freshen up a little bit. I watched the trailer for Spectre. It's like, 
oh wait, there was an entire section in Mexico. I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Like the entire first section, which is like the only good part of the movie. Yeah. In also, I don't know. We, we should bring those up re- uh, regularly if they are like very prominent. But sub henchmen, the way Dave Bautista exits that movie. Wow. Okay. Super disappointing in a way. It was like, okay, he's come going to come back from that, right? Because it was, yeah. this was kind of hilarious and. Yeah, I actually all, all that you've mentioned, as you're gonna find out, is in my breakdowns. So here we go. Uh, so number twenty-three, Spectre. So unlike Doctor No, Spectre is slick and well-made, but only slightly less boring. There is, <laughs> there are some good things about it. The opening tracking shot through the Day of the Dead festival in Mexico City is pretty jaw-dropping. Fantastic. And the following helicopter action sequence is really impressive. Yes. Uh, the mid-movie car chase through Rome is also pretty good, even if the streets Incredible. are weirdly deserted. I mean, it is Italy. Maybe everybody's uh, in COVID lockdown or something. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> Corona days, Rome. Monica Bellucci is a dignified Bond girl, and Batista is a fun henchman and physical threat for Bond. The movie really falls apart in the second half, though. Christopher Waltz is completely wasted as the villain. He has this awesome-looking lair in the desert, but then nothing is done with it. Even Waltz's torture plan adds up to nothing. Like, he bangs on and on about how his micro-drills will make Bond forget everything and everyone, and actually succeeds in using them on Bond, and then they do nothing. They just flat out don't work! (laughs) (laughs) The, The subsequent lair escape really shows just how lazy the film gets. Bond escapes by blowing up a room with his watch, walking out the door, and calmly shooting, like, three guys. Where's the motorcycle? truck or helicopter chase where's a half dead batista coming back for one final fist fight will a bomb or something counts down in the background because he wasn't definitively killed where's anything except the severe stench of wasted opportunity and the climax is possibly the worst in 007 history bond just runs around an abandoned building no fighting no shooting nothing it's just all just so empty flat and dull and it's just a total letdown coming off the coattails of skyfall Absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah, so there yeah. you go. That's... You know what's funny about that 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 opening uh, Mexican uh, festival thing? Like that wasn't real, right? That that's not something that happens. Like like having like a a giant like festival that way. That only happened after this movie because it was so popular in the movie. They were like, damn, you need to have like a giant parade now in Mexico. <laughs> And after the movie was so popular, like they did, they, they had like, okay, now we're going to do a yearly parade in Mexico City, a Day of the Dead parade. But I that wasn't the thing beforehand. I mean, I don't know about Mexico, but I mean, there are some big festivals all over the world. So, yeah. okay. <laughs> is, it, yeah. is it really something like that not happened in Mexico before? Okay. So no, Day of the like Dead was that. Some, Okay, okay. Day of the Dead is big there, obviously, but there was like, like no Day okay. of the Dead parade. That, okay. Well, that's cool. Well, it, it, it seems like Spectre gave the world something good. Yeah, <laughs> that's the po- most positive thing I can say about Spectre. Because now I, I want to go to Mexico City and enjoy that. At least not well, right now. Like it's the yeah. best. <laughs> no. Once the vaccine is here, if it ever arrives. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I liked, I liked the setup for Spectre. I thought the beginning of that movie was fantastic. I, I liked actually the opening song a lot of my friends made fun of it uh, and of me for liking it but uh, I don't know I it, it really put me into the mood like when they show the silhouette of Blofeld at the giant desk and everything 
um, uh, in, in the OP was uh, was in the intro was super cool, and then you know they build shit up, and you're like, oh, you know where this is going? This is gonna be the big reveal of the people who are behind everything, uh, starting from Casino Royale, and um, it was really like. The atmosphere was really thick. It was really cool. You were looking forward to everything it was building up to. And then it was this big reveal in the conference where James Bond is over looking at shit. And then Blofeld release, uh, reveals himself and then starts talking to James because he knows he's there. And then the car chase starts. And it was all fantastic. And then after that, like you said, like it completely loses any sense of steam. Like the it the atmosphere just evaporates and nothing of interest is happening anymore. And I don't know how that could happen. I don't know who, what, what <laughs> was there something, it's like, was someone writing the script to a certain point and then someone took over and like completely ruined everything because it, that's what it felt that's like. That's what happens like, to the next Daniel Greg movie we're going to talk about. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. That's what happened there. But uh, it's like the, the weirdest thing is like the way it tries to ties everything back together, like all the other James Bond yeah. movies tries to t- ties it together, and it's like, why? <laughs> like nobody yeah. is asking for this. <laughs> no one is like, yeah, oh man, it's like uh, nobody is like, damn, wh- who's who's like the boss? Like it may actually makes the other movies worse because it, like makes all the other guys seem like like middle management all of a sudden, even though they were like big villains uh, in their own right. I mean, Blofeld was also uh, always kind of the big Spectre head guy uh, in the old movies as well, in a way. But uh, so, you know, you were, expect, uh, were expecting him to be the ultimate mastermind. But like uh, Chuchu said, Christoph Waltz is a good choice for Blofeld, I think. But I don't think what, so. what they did with him was like was like super boring. And then they try to make the, yeah. to do like this personal co- connection between him, uh, him and James, and that also didn't work. That was really badly executed, and there was no real like tense. I don't know. You, you didn't feel like there was any tense beef between those two. Like like there was a really personal vendetta f- from Blofeld's side of thing, or for James' side of things, for that matter. Like I didn't feel those two being like brothers or what, like having like this. This this thing where they had to duke it out now and where this was the destined like the meeting of fate or everything it didn't feel like it it felt like like yeah this is some weird random plan by some weird random guy and it doesn't amount to anything and yeah. just the movie just fucking completely falls in on itself by the end and it's just like a wet fart what? and it feels like it and it, and it looks like it and everything so uh, uh, Brack is uh, uh, partially right I mean Christopher Waltz is an, is a really really fantastic actor but what what Spectre really really needed was a bad guy that had that could go ape shit I mean you put Nick Cage as fucking <laughs> Blofeld he would have been great do you know what I mean <laughs> uh, I would like to see that that would have been a great stunt casting. But, yeah, but I think it, it feels like Waltz, like he's played like he's like Hollywood Chris, like mostly playing like bad guys, right? And mm-hmm. he's playing like he, he doesn't really bring anything new to the table. Like Bardem, for example, also plays a lot of bad guys, uh, but he definitely brought something new to the table in, table in Skyfall. And Mickelson maybe did it, but that was like the first like. Mickelson bad guy in like Hollywood movies so like he did it and it was still fresh but with Waltz it feels like oh yeah I've seen him do this in Green Hornet I've seen him mm. do this in uh, 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 Three Musketeers I've seen him do this in uh, uh, The Legend of Tarzan like I've seen him do this like 
at least a dozen times before like this point. So it's like there's nothing like new yeah. there anymore. It's just like trying to be the sophisticated uh, in uh, superior in terms of intelligence guy who's like really talking down to James and who's really like you know he he feels as uh, superior he thinks of himself as superior and he's really educated and you know aloof and everything and i would have liked you know that kind of is that is what you know a current mastermind villain uh, head of company you know tech guy kind of could be but yeah. also i would have liked to uh, for it to be really interesting if we had like a smart guy too but also physically on the same level as James Bond, where it's like, hey, he can match James in terms of mind and capabilities, but also, but also, you know, if you if you f do the brother angle, do the fucking brother angle, tr try to making him the twisted version of James, try to make him like the guy who controls everything, but also who hates James guts and who is, all, but on the same level physically and mentally as James, and then have them duke it out. But him always being a step ahead of James in everything. They already copied the uh, Batman in Skyfall, so they wouldn't like, oh, well, let's copy Dark Knight Rises as well with this one. Yeah, I guess. Like... But yeah, it would have, I don't know, it would have been cool in a way if they did it, but then Christopher Waltz wouldn't have worked. But I don't think we ever, as the main bad guy, did we ever have like this super... I don't know, physically fit uh, or bulky. Like make Dave Bautista, make him the <laughs> make him Blofeld. I mean, that would have been interesting. And he has the, he has the acting chops. He's shown it since then. Bardem obviously is pretty like at least a physical presence. And uh, 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 Sean Bean was like the the, the uh, anti double yeah, yeah. right? Sean Bean was so, the beefy. Yeah, that powerful yeah, guy, that wasn't he? But also, he doesn't. He aside from the fi really final act, there is not. Zorin was also a physical enemy, wasn't he? Max Zorin from uh, from View to a Kill. He was like super soldier. I barely, right? I barely remember View to a Kill. Like not at all. Oh man, I said that's a fucking good film. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe. I don't. Re I don't remember. I, I mean, there was one word is not enough as well. I think, but he was super boring. So. I'm just talking about where, you know, someone that has a physical connection to James Bond is and can also match him in a way. And then try to do that over several movies where it's like those coming to head several times and not just at the end of that one t uh, of that one movie. I mean, that's not a thing James Bond really does. But, you know, if you if you make set it up for, hey, everything is connected and give him a bit more time to breathe as a villain once you reveal him and not like half of a movie and then not show him for like most of the second half I, of that movie. I, also, the entire Robert's angle did work for me, this movie. Like, oh, oh. That, uh, and they bought her back as well uh, for the next one. Ah! <laughs> yeah, and especially like that was like kind of like this is marketing talk, but like when they were like doing it in marketing and like interviews, whatever, it's like, oh man, we have the oldest Bond girl ever, right? Like we have a Bond girl who's older than Bond, like with uh, uh, Monica Bellucci. And then like the entire movie is like they bang once and then he goes after a girl who's like half his age. <laughs> and it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind that. I don't mind you doing that. But don't like try to be like, oh, look at, at having us. The, look at us having the all this bond go here. Look how progressive we are. <laughs> that, like not doing that at all. Especially yeah. because Monica Bellucci, there was much more chemistry there between us. Yeah, two. she was like, great in the work. film. She was good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I liked her a lot. I I would say like the most damning thing, unfortunately, for Christopher Waltz is that you know I've just watched 
all of the James Bond films, and he is straight up the weakest portrayal of Blofeld in all of the movies. You know, mm. you have like Donald Pleasance, who's like, you know, he plays it really calm and aloof, but also batshit crazy. Um, and even even where uh, the the this, I think the movie where Roger Moore took over. And they just showed Blofeld in a fucking uh, in a fucking wheelchair yeah. with that stupid rocket launcher in it. He's even worse than that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man. Oh, that, did you know just before Blofeld dies in that film, which is uh, for your eyes only, the last thing that he says mm -hmm. before he dies is, "I'll buy you a delicatessen in stainless steel." Those are Blofeld's last words. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> who, sure, why not? Who wrote that? <laughs> That's just odd. But it's yeah, really weird. Yes, that is really weird. Okay, we'll get to that eventually. Yes, we will. But yes, yeah, Spe Spectre is um, has a promising start. Aside from that, it's not a good movie. No, no. All right, let's move on to the next one. Um, yes. So number twenty-two, and it really breaks my heart to put this here. Number twenty-two. Yeah, I is don't get it. Moonraker. Why? Why? Uh, well, we'll get to that in, in, in my breakdown, but let's see what the bad guy is mm. up to in Moonraker. Are you ready for this, Brack? <laughs> Sick Nazi bastard Hudro Drax wants to make his own master race of sexy hot people, so he exports them, Noah's Ark style, to a secret space station. Once they're all aboard, he plans to kill all the ugly people left on Earth with a missile full of deadly plant poison. Hmm. <laughs> It sounds like a perfect movie, doesn't it? Why is this at number 22? Moonraker is fucking amazing. I don't know. What what, what do you want? There's fucking space battles with lasers. <laughs> yeah, there is for sure. And it has jaws. Who's Who crap in the film? With... He's fucking crap in that no, movie. No, oh my god, he he's gets, crap. He gets a fucking happy end. He gets to hook up with a fucking j j tiny blonde girl with braces. And dies. And they're happy together. They go spinning off into space. They're gonna fucking die. No, they didn't die. No, no. James Bond gives a the... gives a throwaway line about, oh yeah, they'll be all right. No, they won't. They're spinning off into space. I think it's made clear that they that they get on one of those escape uh, thingies. No, no, no. They're left on the ship. But like James Bond gives gives like a throwaway line of like, oh, don't worry, the the Marines or something will pick them up and save them. And it's oh. just like, no, they're spinning off to space. They ain't coming back. I think the Marines picked them up. They have super spaceships. I mean, they have every future tech in this movie, which is so ridiculous. Sure. <laughs> All right, let's get it's... into the breakdown, and then and and then Human Metal and I will fight and disagree about why this movie sucks or it rules. <laughs> Go for okay. it. So Moonraker is obviously 007's knee-jerk reaction to Star Wars. James Bond in space. There are so many fun things about Moonraker. The recently late Michael Lonsdale choose the scenery as main villain Drax. He's he's the highlight of every scene he's in, spitting out mad quotes like an evil space Hitler. I really like the opening portion of the film that takes place on Drax's estate. It's supposed to be in California, and we're told how Drax brought his mansion over from France, brick by brick, when it's obviously, obviously just fucking France. It's it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but the centrifuge action scene on Drax's estate is, is really, really fun and exciting. Likewise, most of the stuff that takes place in space 
uh, is also really fun. The laser battle between Jack Drax's hedge people and literal US space marines is actually really cool and really well made. Um, what kills the movie, though, is its middle section, which comprises of a bunch of action scenes held together by the flimsiest of plot devices. It goes something like this. Bond arrives in a scenic location and is seemingly randomly set upon by guys trying to kill him. An action scene ensues, and then once all the bad guys are dealt with, or Bond escapes, Bond finds a sticker on a box, or a card in some guy's wallet that says, you know, from or bound for Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> and Bond is like, oh, Rio de Janeiro, oh, I gotta go there, there must be something there of interest. Then he goes there, and a scrambled version of the same thing happens. It's just so lazy, and it's not like it happens once or twice, it happens like four or five times, the exact same plot device. <laughs> If the, if the action scenes were good, it might get a pass, but the majority of them are just really bad. There's too much dodgy rear projection and crappy effects, plus the main henchman Jaws dodders around like an aging grandpa and doesn't seem threatening in the slightest. Unlike The Spy Who Loved Me, where he does, and he's really awesome in that film. So, although there is some silly fun to be gleaned from Noonraker, there can be no doubt that it is still a really objectively bad movie. But seeing Roger Moore thrashing around in a pool of water fighting a giant rubber anaconda is way more fun than anything Inspector by a massive distance. So there you go. That's my breakdown of Moodraker. I see your point about the middle section, but I think that's kind of negligible concerning, you know, considering what else is in that movie. And, you know, you, okay, here's the thing about James Bond movies. There are good James Bond movies that or there are James Bond movies that are good because they're good because they're uh, thrilling because they're well made because they're just exciting with well well structured plots and everything good like secret agent thrillers and there are James Bond movies that are good or fun because they're incredibly bad and dumb and hilarious and Moonraker is one of those latter ones we're going to get to another one of those which is one of my absolute favorite James Bond films and if you can get past how stupid you know, you're right, it's lazy in the middle point, but I think the beginning and the end are make it okay oh. to get through that part. Uh. At least for me. I th Yeah, it might be a drag in the middle, but I think the, the finale is so fucking stupid and hilarious and I don't know, I just love how stupid and dumb that movie is. Then add to that all the uh, some of Roger Moore's best one-liners are in this. And I don't know, it's the, the whole space angle is so ridiculously dumb. And I don't know, I like that movie. It's it's really bad, but it's also pretty damn fun. So I would put it higher than 22. But hey, this is your list, so... Well, the, the thing is, like, uh, I, I absolutely agree with you. The, the, the opening section is really fantastic. I mean, I love the clay pigeon shooting, where he, he, <laughs> he shoots the... <laughs> he, like, uh, is some assassins in a tree like trying to assassinate james bond and james bond is clay, clay, clay pigeon shooting with a bad guy and then he like he tracks the clay pigeon sh <laughs> shell with like takes a shot and then the bad guy's like you missed and then the assassin just falls dead out of the tree did i <laughs> and that's super that's great and that super dramatic scene when that woman woman gets hunted down by the dogs oh man this really dr dramatic music in the background <laughs> that's which actually fit the that's it actually fit the rest. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't fit the rest of the movie at all, tone-wise, and that's why it's great. It's like, what the? F what is happening? Is this a horror movie now? 
<laughs> is this Cujo? Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then he went back to shenanigans. So it's like a complete non sequitur in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's taking itself way too seriously, and that's why I love it. So, uh, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 like, Brad can't even imagine how jarring that is. You're watching a straight up goofy comedy film, and then there's a, like the scene where fucking the girl gets mauled to death by dogs in Game of Thrones in there. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> Where did this come from? This is dark. Uh, but the thing is, like the middle section of the film, what really kills it for me? I love goofiness, and you know, spoiler alert, Roger Moore, and I'll explain why much later on this podcast. But Roger Moore is my favorite James Bond film, uh, James Bond. Um, so I'm I'm all down with goofy shit. But the whole middle section of this film, I just sat there, and I don't think I cracked a single smile. I just sat there and just like in tedium through the middle section, like the whole scene in Venice with the inflatable uh, gondola and the way he's parading around, you know, and people are like double taking at him. It's like, what? Like, oh, I hate that shit. It's just the worst. <laughs> Maybe I just fucking tuned that out like completely and only remember the first and the last part of the movie. Which are great. That, and... Those are great scenes. Yeah. So. I think if if they could if they could have trimmed about <laughs> half an hour to forty minutes out of the center of that film, which is certainly possible because there's literally no plot there at all, <laughs> it would have been a much 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 stronger film, for sure. Um, there you go. Abrak, are you interested to watch Moonraker? Probably not. It sounds dumb enough that I might watch it. <laughs> okay, uh, there you go. <laughs> go. Like, Watchmore is like the bond I have the least of connection with. Like, I don't. Mm. Oh, I, I love uh, Roger Moore. So, so, so I'm not that interested in him watching his movies, but you know, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. There's not much. Yeah, uh, I like the idea. It looks, it looks silly. It looks like fun. It oh, looks yeah. like a video game almost. Like I would, yeah. I would play it if it was a video game. Again, uh, as as I said, like parts of it are amazing. Parts of it are just so stupid and so fun. And parts of it, you just want to tear your eyes out your head. <laughs> it's, it's real. Uh, Rick can just skip you're the saying that, that that Joss is bad, but uh, it gave uh, Richard Kill a best supporting actor Saturn Award nominee. So get the fuck saying. out of here. Uh, He's terrible <laughs> in that film. <laughs> <laughs> He's awful. Uh, it's funny that I like I like Joss, mm. but I have much more memory of Joss the character than I have of Roger Moore as James Bond. Wow, like geez. I don't remember Roger Moore as James Bond, but Joss for sure. Yeah, I remember he's that guy. He's an iconic subvillain. Yeah, he is. No doubt about that. And he's brilliant in the, uh, the Spy Who Loved Me. He's fantastic in that. He's menacing as fuck. But in this one, he's just comedy foil. Although there is an awesome scene where he's in a speedboat that goes off of a waterfall, and he, just before he goes off, he gives this hilarious like, "Oh shit!" look on his face. It makes me it always makes me piss myself every time I see it. <laughs> there you go. All right. So uh, coming on to uh, number twenty-one. Which is The Living Daylights, which is Timothy Dalton's uh, first Bond film. So let's see uh, what the bad guys are up to in The Living Daylights. <coughs> so, uh, Yorgi has faked affected from the Soviet Russia and has hooked up with American arms dealer Whitaker. Yorgi plans to supply Whitaker's futuristic weapons to the Afghanistan army in exchange for a lot of opium, which he can make billions of dollars from when sold on the international markets. So uh, quite a boring plot, really. <laughs> frankly, yeah, it's, it's uh, rather down to earth. Yeah, yeah, it's quite yeah, yeah. A realistic. I plot. think they're trying to go more realistic, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I actually like this one. 
quite a bit. Nah. That, not a lot, but I, I thought it was a fun movie. Um, and I really like Dalton as, as Bond. I think, like, he's I think, very underrated. I think it's the weaker one of the Daltons. I mean, we're going to... Obviously, this, I agree with your list there, Choo-Choo, that, yeah, you know, License to Kill is much better. And we're going to talk uh, about that once we get to that. Yeah. Uh, it was a different approach, sure. You know, after all the Roger Moore shenanigans and everything, the, this was a nice new take. Although and uh, it, it doesn't yeah. feel... It, it, actually, the film was written for, with Roger Moore in mind and then Timothy Dalton uh, took weird. over. Weird. Um, but so I don't think it feels so far away from like it's not a complete 360 or something from what roger moore are doing i mean there are definitely some roger moore things in the film um for example maybe the the carnival scene um where they're at the Mm. carnival and you know where he has the balloon and he pops it um after his friend is killed like that's that's like straight up like roger moore style except with timothy dalton's kind of anger fed through it Mm. yeah Um, maybe it's timothy dalton's performance that makes a lot of yeah uh, or does a lot to make this more feel more gritty, more grim, and more down to earth than the bonds that came before it. You know, if you compare Moonraker to something to this, it's like day and night. James Bond is like completely, completely different thing. Uh, but and, if, yeah. if if you compare this to uh, the the direct the movie directly before it, which was A View to a Kill, they're not so far off in tone. I think. Okay. They were. They like were, I said, I don't remember View to a Kill anymore. So. Oh well. We'll, we'll get to that mm. a bit later. Mm. So here's my breakdown on the uh, the Living Daylights. The Living Daylights is mediocre. It's not particularly bad, nor is it particularly good. It just exists. You watch it, and then ten minutes later, your brain just kind of auto deletes all trace of it from your memory. <laughs> like good things. It has a great action sequence with Bond hanging out the back of a military plane, hanging on to a slowly disintegrating net of parcels, while also fighting the movie's main henchman. That scene was stolen wholesale by Uncharted 3, and it was awesome in the game too. Um, but really weak villains that nobody remembers, and a serious case of blandness kind of hinder this particular entry. That's all I really have on it, because I, I, I feel it's quite, frankly, quite a mediocre uh, film that, you know, really, as, as I said, just, just gets deleted from the memory, just strays from the memory. But I think you guys obviously like the film uh, more than I do, so if you've got more to say about it, go uh, ahead. Well, I can see why Breck likes it, let's say it like that, but I yeah. also prefer like the, the second Dalton one like by a long mile. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think that's it's, it's a superior movie, most definitely, but Breck... Uh, like, I'm not saying like, damn, this movie is great. Or something. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I liked it, I enjoyed it. Like, <laughs> okay. there's some other movies coming up that I probably just wouldn't like at all, or just dislike. And I was just like, oh, this is very middle of the road. Mm. But uh, I, I like Timothy Dalton in it. I wish we had more Dalton as Bond. Oh, and, me too. Uh, uh, overall, uh, I was thought it was fine. Yeah, I do, wouldn't you? Also, use... also, I, mean, it's, it, I, I think this one was on TV more over here in the Netherlands because one of the main villains is played by uh, Jeroen Krabbe, who is like a Dutch like TV actor. So because he's Dutch and a TV actor, they play it on TV here as well because like yeah. it's a recognizable face. So uh, I, I enjoyed it watching it as a kid more. So oh. uh, that helps. Didn't you? I remember Bra- also uh, having a conversation with Brack about this, and he was telling me about uh, which I I I didn't really think about before. But James Bond teams up with terrorists, right? That became Al Qaeda at one point. Yeah, he teams up much. with Bushadin to plant a homemade bomb on an airplane. Yes, that's true. That's what happens <laughs> in this movie. Damn. 
Close to reality. Like, I mean, that's what yeah. America did back in those yeah, yeah, days. Yeah, it's so. what America did, like in the Cold War. And like, uh, after what I told you that, that the, part of those people of the Bush did became the Taliban, but it's like not all of them. And some of them actually helped fight the Taliban. And like, I'm not entirely sure. Like, I'm not like I don't know about those politics all that well. So, but yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird in retrospect. That's for sure. Yeah, it's really odd. All right, uh, let's uh, let's move on to the uh, next one. So, uh, number twenty is Thunderball. Hmm. So I think this was the f- I want to say the fourth. Uh, the fourth James Bond movie, uh, Sean Connery's fourth film, so the one that comes directly after Goldfinger, which was kind of like the big breakout hit for James Bond back in the 60s. So mm-hmm. let's see what the bad guys are up to in Thunderball. So, Largo, eyepatch lackey for Spectre, has seized some nuclear warheads from a purposely crashed warplane. He's hiding them underwater so they can't be tracked, while ransoming the world to pay him for their safe return and non-detonation. I think this this one is where the whole one million dollars comes from. I swear to God, like the the the, 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 he, the ransom like thing is like really laid on thick in this one. Um. All right, so we got we got no comments on Thunderball immediately. So I'm gonna launch straight I into. <laughs> I'm gonna launch straight into. The, oh, they they're gonna come. I'm just waiting to see what you have to say about it. All right, here, here comes my uh, breakdown of Thunderball. So, Thunderball is gorgeous to look at it's easily one of the best looking 007 movies the budget was huge for the time and every single cent of it is up there on the screen there's a lot of decadent self-indulgent tracking or static shots of opulent beautiful locations it's a total feast for the eyes other great things it has the greatest underwater battle sequence ever put to tape it still holds up today as something truly impressive because it was made with 100 percent uh, practical effects and underwater stunt scenes. Although the scene where one of the divers legitimately shoots a nearby shark with a harpoon gun made me throw my pram, my, my toys out of the pram for a few moments. Animal cruelty is not okay. I don't care if the diver was in danger or whatever. You can't be having animals on set and then purposely injuring them. That's just fucked up. Um, and it's mm. not effects. You can see like that when the shark gets shot, it panics and you know it swims away and like. There's a blood trail left behind it. It's just, yes, it's mean as fuck. Don't do that, people. Anyway, back to the positives. Uh, the character of Fiona Volpe is one of the series' best femme fatales. Most girls swoon and eventually succumb to Bond's charms, but Volpe is bad to the last, which is really fun. Um, she dies when Bond uses her as a human shield against an assassination attempt, which is one of those deliciously cold 007 moments that makes the character so badass. Um, there's also a bizarre scene where someone tries to kill Bond by strapping him to a massage machine. <laughs> it, 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 no, it makes no sense at all, but is absolutely hilarious. The way it's filmed and the frantic tension of Bond dry-humping his massage table to death is hysterically funny. Seriously, seriously go find that on YouTube. It's really, really funny. James Bond versus the massage table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one thing I want to say about like that underwater battle, uh, I think the underwater battle in Thunderball walked so that the underwater battle in Aquaman got run. That's the <laughs> ah, but yeah, oh man, the, the underwater battle in uh, 
Thunderball is way better because it's practical. It's practical effects. It doesn't have any CG in it. I mean, those are real guys, you know, knifing each other and shooting each other with harpoons and stabbing each other to death and like doing all that really cool stunt work underwater. I mean, it's it's all practical. It's really and the scale of it is, is massive. Right? You have like sixty people going at it underwater. Yeah, it's basically this and Moonraker are the biggest fight scenes, like in terms of scale and in terms of manpower in in the James Bond franchise, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I would say the Spy Who Loved Me in the sub hangar as well. Uh, and uh, well, maybe. you only live twice in the volcano layer, right? The big battle there. I don't remember that. Yeah, that that I think the the volcano layer I pr- think probably is the biggest. But like okay. you say, the uh, Moonraker and Thunderball. It's like Thunderball did it underwater, then Moonraker did it in space. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. yeah. Um, the film has special weapons. They have like these mini U boats, U uh, boats that they use to to get uh, quicker from A to B. I mean, the battle by nature, because it's underwater, is very slow. Yeah. Like, it's it's very slow. Like, like these guys just move like you would move underwater. So it's not like, it's not Aquaman. It's not like everyone has superpowers and can swim like 100 miles per hour. It's like, no, they just, you know, normal divers. (laughs) So, you know, temper your expectations. This is not like a fast-paced action scene or anything. It's just like it's interesting because this nothing like this was done before, and well, it also is and since and it, you know just the scale of it and everyone involved and it being like to says all practical and how it's filmed uh, is great. So yeah, yeah, it's just not you know a super incredibly fast-paced, well-choreographed action scene. It's just yeah, a lot like, of shit happening. I'm grateful for it because like. Every like video game in which you have like a harpoon gun is probably like a, like has to take Thunderball for it. Yeah, right? probably. <laughs> probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, um, um, back to the breakdown. The film has two main faults, which ultimately make it languish this low on the list. One is a serious, serious, serious case of overlength. Brack, if you thought Spectre was overlength, man, you ain't seen nothing. Yeah, that's true. It's a slow-moving film, and its overindulgence in glacial pacing makes it really drag at points. Also, the climax of the film is just awful. The final battle is full of really terrible sped-up footage, jarring jump cuts, and some of the worst rear projection I've ever seen. It's so bad that it ruins the whole movie for me. Most of the film looks gorgeous, but the climax looks like it was put together on Windows Movie Maker or something. It's it's a massive shame, because if Thunderball had stuck its landing, it would have undoubtedly been higher up the list. I don't even remember where the climax happens. I mean, the, the climax is when James Bond gets on board Largo's boat, and yeah, and then Largo's boat is in the movie is literally the fastest boat that has ever been seen in the history of man. It's going like it's going like two hundred miles an hour or something through sped up footage. <laughs> it's really stupid. And then Bond and Largo have this really bad fight where it's like it's there's a lot of jump cuts to speed up the fight in order to kind of like match the speed and it looks like they are super heroes and they're they're going about five times faster than they should be and meanwhile in the windows out 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 of the you know outside the windows of the boat you see this horrible rear projection of like this 200 mile (laughs) mile an hour (laughs) boat view of this boat like skimming past islands you know at like fucking warp speed it's 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 (laughs) insane it's like you've taken drugs and the world's just moving about 25 faster than it should. It's like they, they they looked at the underwater battle and was like, man, that's that's too slow. Let's just 
<laughs> Let's take everything else and fast forward. <laughs> oh. Yeah, not a vice choice. It, uh, it's terrible. Like, legitimately. It is one of the worst, most jarring things in all of James Bond. I mean, you just... It's like it's confusing because it's moving so fast and you know it has really bad jump cuts where one character is here and then suddenly the the screen just bip and then he's over the other side of the room um it's terribly made it's just awful filmmaking and and like i say it's such a shame because the film generally speaking is just gorgeous um yeah so what can you say eh? uh any any more thoughts on thunderball there human metal I liked it. I really liked it when I was a kid. It was probably my favorite James Bond movie because of all the underwater fighting and everything. And I like, you know, water. I like, you know, underwater diving stuff and and shit like that. So I really enjoyed it. But you're right, it's super long. Oh. Uh, and uh, yeah, some of it has probably not aged well. well. Didn't we want? Didn't you want to mention that one scene uh, with the blackmailing thing? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yes. This this has this has like the most hardcore uh, moment of like basically James Bond rape um, <laughs> of any film ever. Where, There's several in in the in that franchise, you know, especially in the old ones. What the, so. the the nurse who straps him to the uh, the massage table? Basically, mm-hmm. he's like he's trying to get in her pants like earlier in the film and she's like no I, i'm not interested in that at all and he's like mm. and then she straps him to the massage table and they have the whole dry humping thing going on and then a, a bit later she's like oh my god i can't believe that happens please please don't tell my boss about this you know because i'll get fired and he's saying well that depends on you know how 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 good you are and then he basically unzips her top she's like i can't and he's like oh but you can and then pushes her into the steam room and then her dress like falls off and then you know they do it so basically james bond has just blackmailed that girl who didn't want to have sex Mm. with him on threat of losing her job um yeah Mm. that's fucked up (laughs) that's just just straight up not okay james bond (laughs) i think the only other scene that's worse uh, I don't know what movie that is. I don't remember what movie that was. It the Spy Who Loved Me? Was it from Russia with Love? I don't remember. Maybe it was a different one, but it was a Connery movie. So uh, where he just overpowers one girl when in, in a barn or something, and oh, she's that's... really fighting himself, like like viciously fighting, and he just yeah. overpowers her and just fucking grabs her arms and yanks them back, and then starts kissing her, and it's like oh yikes! Even... <laughs> I don't know what movie that was from. Even worse, she was a lesbian. Uh, that's oh. that's Pussy Galore from Goldfinger. Was that in Goldfinger? Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Okay, yes, it was. Uh, I like that movie, but yeah. I I must have like, like really really uh, suppressed that scene or, or um, removed it from my memory. Then, but, Ooh, okay, appara- yeah, that's a problem. A- apparently, he raped a real good because he turned her straight. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, people. Horrible. Learn your lessons that's from James Bond. Horrible. If you come across a lesbian, just rape them and they'll come straight. <laughs> Oh, that's oh, awful! No, <laughs> oh god! No, oh, please no. don't put that that quote out of context or uh, uh, on the I don't know on yeah. the uh, header for this podcast. That's a bad choice. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> bad man, James, oh, James Bond. Bad man. All right, so uh, let's move on to uh, number nineteen, which is uh, "You Only Live Twice." Mm, which we just talked about um, very briefly. So let's see what the bad guy is up to in You Only Live Twice. So, 
That bold cunt Blofeld is back again, interfering with the space race by stealing spaceships out of orbit. The Americans think the Russians are doing it. The Russians think the Americans are doing it. The world is on the brink of World War Three. So that's basically what's happening. I don't know why. Why does Blofeld want World War Three to happen? He, he. I think he has some kind of deal with another country who's not Russia or America. Um, like Russia and America will blow each other up, and this other country will rise to dominance. Maybe China. I want to yeah, say I China think. makes the most sense, probably. Yeah, I considering think... that Dr. No was Chinese, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Was he Japanese? No, he wasn't Japanese. He was. He might have been okay. Chinese, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, you only live twice. So, uh, the Bond movie in Japan, which you know, I'm all about that. Uh, it's most famous for the villain having his lair inside a volcano, the set of which is still one of the most impressive to ever appear on film. It's hard to believe people can even build things like that. The location and the volcano set are the only truly outstanding things about the film. However. There's nothing bad about the film exactly, discounting Sean Connery trying to disguise himself as a Japanese person with cack-handed prosthetic <laughs> eyelids. That's just stupid. Looks like a Klingon, for fuck's sake, from <laughs> yeah. the original series. It's so bad. And the way he walks around speaking to Japanese, <laughs> trying to pass himself off as a Japanese person, talking, you know, Japanese language in a in the thickest Scottish accent ever. <laughs> Oh, hi, Rokishaimash. Like, yeah, that's that's just not working, Bond. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's so stupid. But it's actually a really nice sort of brain-off, Bond on the telly on a lazy Sunday afternoon type of flick. It does, however, lack a killer action sequence or effective villain, even though the villain is actually the most well-regarded version of Blofeld, as played by Donald Pleasance. I don't know, maybe Blofeld is just a bit crap and nobody ever really noticed. Um, yeah, maybe. The little Nelly action sequence where Bond uses a gadget-laden microcopter to take out several bigger helicopters with missiles and aerial mines and the like is the action highlight of the film. Although it's fun, and you have to give some allowance to the fact that it was made back in the 60s, some poor rear projection and aging effects really dragged the scene down a bit. When you can clearly see the strings holding up the models as they explode, you just can't help but be pulled out of the experience a bit. But overall, it's a solid film, though. It's just, you know, it's just solid. Nothing great, but just all right. And yeah, from, from when we watched all those movies, I feel like... I felt that movie was a bit boring, aside from this jarring thing with him trying to pass off as Japanese. And, you know, like you said, it's probably, like you said, the lack of, of good action scenes in there that just fucking pulled me out of it because I kind of expect that from at least most Bond movies. And the hel helicopter thing was okay, but it was like, okay, I, the plot isn't too interesting. Blofeld wasn't too interesting in terms of as a villain performance. Also, was although wasn't that the movie where the cat fucking loses its shit when yes. she tries to... <laughs> There's an explosion <laughs> and the cat just goes absolutely crazy. <laughs> that poor cat. Yeah. Aside, aside, aside from that, uh, there is not... It's not, like you said, it's not a bad movie, but it's also not an interesting movie. So it's just like, it's there. Yeah, that's I, probably... A, li a little bit of um, it seems it seems we don't really have much to say about this one, but like a little bit of weird trivia about this movie. There were two Japanese actresses, um, yeah, Bond girls, in this one, and neither of them spoke English. So the producers of the movie made them go 
to like home state in England to improve their English. And one of them picked up more English, but one of them had a really difficult time adjusting to British culture and, and couldn't pick up much English. And she was actually the main Bond girl who um, was going to be like was going to be like the, the first Bond girl um, mm-hmm. who gets killed. Um, who I guess is the main Bond girl because the second Bond girl doesn't really have that much to do. Uh, so because she didn't pick up any English, the producer decided, okay, we're going to let this actress go, you know, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. we just can't make the film with her. And when they gave her the message that they were going to let her go, she said, you know, this is the biggest movie ever made in the history of, you know, Japanese cinema. And mm-hmm. if you let me go, I'm going to be disgraced in Japan and it's going to wreck my career. So if you fire me, I'm literally going to go up to the top of this hotel, jump off and kill myself. <laughs> and they had to sit down and have Jesus. a discussion about it and then basically decided to let her remain in the movie, but swapped out her part so she had less speaking uh, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, a bit of dark trivia there that I picked no, up. Interesting. Yeah, like I I haven't seen the movie myself. I I bet like the volcano lair iconic, obviously. Yeah, obviously iconic. And I think it's the main inspiration for my favorite Simpsons episode. Simpsons episodes with Hex ah, Scorpio. Yeah. So that, that that's that's all I think you remember of this. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's wait, the thing is like. Although it's not the best James Bond movie, like you say, it's so iconic that immediately when you think of a bad guy's lair, boom, that's what you think about. You think about the the volcano lair, right? I mean, it's 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 so crazy. It's, it's absolutely uh, amazing. Was, was the first Austin Powers movies, uh, Austin Power movie, I think one of them that pulled a lot from You Only Die Twice. Yeah, you, you like you know twice. the Jap- Japanese Scottish Japanese guy who passes off as a sumo wrestler and. Uh, I forgot what his, what his name was, Fat Fuck or something. Fat Bastard. In, in <laughs> fuck, Fat, fat Bastard. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the same thing. And then Fuck Me and Fuck You, you know, the two Japanese girls and everything. So th- there's a lot of stuff that uh, that pulled from only, You Only Die Twice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I, I think that's like the, 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 you know, parody 101 for James Bond parody people. Mm-hmm. All right, let's yeah. move on. Let's uh, let, let's go for number eighteen, which is Tomorrow Never Dies, um, mm. Pierce Brosnan's second film. Oh, Human Metals immediately got them going on <laughs> before we get into what he he's gonna uh, delve into. Let's talk about. It's what... not the worst Brosnan, but okay, continue. I think it is for sure. Um, really? Obviously. Okay. Well, obviously, it's number eighteen. It's uh, it's it's first Brosnan yeah you're right (laughs) I didn't pay attention but in my opinion uh, you know there's another one that's worth and that's worse that's not in this list holy shit okay interesting I've ranked that that high that's further up yeah I I know what movie you're talking about but yeah it's further up for me Um, so yeah Uh, let's see what the bad guy in Tomorrow Never Dies is all about the world is on the world is on the brink of World War 3 again this time, media mogul Elliot Carver has used a stealth ship to trick British warships into Chinese waters and then faked attacked them, therefore raising international tensions. Why? He wants to drum up more interest for his newly launching cable TV news channel. <laughs> that's, just, that's, that's kind of like bland and daft at the same time. 
Mm. All right. So, uh, okay. Here's... I feel like some executive person in uh, at Fox News or, or something like could up, come up with a plan like that if they had enough money. Yeah, well, Donald... it's like their motor uh, motors operandi. They they don't need to. Donald Trump's working on it for them. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's and see. They, they don't need to do anyway. They can just like fake it up. Like they don't need to do anything actual. Like they're just yeah. like, yeah, this shitty thing happened. Be angry, and that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, so, Tomorrow Never Dies is 007's most obvious homage to 19s action cinema. Pierce Brosnan runs around with a submachine gun in one hand and a pistol in the other, giving his best impression as Jean-Claude Van Damme in Hard Target. <laughs> Which is a great movie, by the way. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like the majority of his inspirations, Tomorrow Never Dies is a bit of a rote piece of action fluff. It's entertaining, but not particularly memorable or special. Good things about it? There's a fun action sequence featuring a remote-controlled BMW causing all kinds of chaos in a parking structure. I think everybody loves that scene. Uh, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's fun. There's a gloriously cold kill that Bond gets on a fellow assassin. Um, Vincent Chevelli, I think it is. It's like, I'm a professional. I'm just doing my job. <laughs> so am I. Oh, that's just, that's mm-hmm. just that's badass. Um, Jonathan Price, Mr. High Sparrow himself, is also fun as the main villain, Elliot Carver. His death via giant spinning drill is one of the more memorable and satisfying demises <laughs> in the series. Um, bad things? <laughs> Brax laughing about Elliot Carver getting minced by a giant spinning drill. <laughs> well, yeah, it's outlandish, but yeah, it's I love one that. of the better, better villain kills, more satisfying villain kills, and also I liked him, yes, as a villain. He was just crazy enough to be fun, but also convincing enough to be, you know, a convincing villain. So I, I, I liked him. I, I love the way that he does that chicken shit thing of like when James Bond steps out the way, he just doesn't move. He just goes, ah! <laughs> He's a total wuss. I mean, he, that's why he needs uh, Mr. Stamper. Or, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Uh, Stamper. <laughs> who, who, was portray- who was portrayed by a German actor. I forgot his name. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Mr. Stamper, yeah. will you kill that bastard? Um, <laughs> bad things, like it lacks any shred of originality in its, plot- in its plotting. Again, <laughs> Media Mogul wants to start World War Three to drum up bigger news sales. Yeah, fairly sure that's been done before. Um, the Bond girl is also really dull in this one. Terry Terry Hatcher is just plain awful in the film. Well, well she's not the main Bond. Yeah. No, she's like the she's like the sacrificial Michelle lamb. Yowes. Yeah, she's like yeah. No, Terry Hatcher is like the sacrificial lamb who gets killed at the beginning. She, her part was supposed to be much bigger, but she was so bad an actress that they cut down her part. So, <laughs> well, yeah, they should have just cut her straight out, well, like all of it. <laughs> I think that was supposed like she she plays like an old flame of Bonds in the film. And I think there's supposed to be this this connection where Bond's really supposed to feel her death, but she's such a bad actress and they have such bad chemistry they just don't give a fuck. It, w- it was I remember reading about that because that was the time uh, she got got right hot off, um, uh, you know, Superman, Lois and Clark, that TV show that she yeah. was on, and the, that Bond movie was supposed to be her big breakout hit, and then she was so bad in it that she that her part almost got completely from the movie, and <laughs> it's like, well. <laughs> Not not only that, but um, uh, I know a little bit more trivia about that. Actually, she was just a pain in the fucking ass backstage, and everybody had no. massive problems with her. She was a total backstage diva. Everybody was sick of shit with her. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's rare to hear, but even Piers Brosnan has had one or two uh, choice quotes about Terry Hatcher in the past. <laughs> He's like Ooh, Terry okay. Hatcher. Yep, never again. Not not working with her ever again. Um, 
Yeah, uh, so yeah, Terry Hatcher is pretty awful in the film, and Michelle Yeoh, while badass at fighting, is a pretty vanilla character. I mean, that's basically that's all she got. She mm-hmm. I mean, she kicks ass. I mean, and there's a really fun scene where she, you know Bond's looking at her with a really kind of like what look on his face while she's walking down the side of a building, which is pretty fun. <laughs> but uh, generally speaking, she's kind of vanilla. Um, likewise, mm-hmm. the only defining characteristic of the main henchman, Mister Stamper, is that he has white hair. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all he has. Also, the climax on board the stealth ship has a really cheap set design. It looks like it could have been ripped from any 90s TV sci-fi show. But overall, mm. it's still a fun throwaway popcorn flick, in my opinion. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Like I said, it's not the worst Brosnan, but it was like, I don't know, after... That's always like, it's, it's, it's kind of unfair, because... Coming before this was one of the best James Bond movies of all time, yeah, I would say. Sure. So, you know, the expectations were pretty high up there. And, you know, it's kind of like, okay, Tomorrow Never Dies is a okay movie. But, you know, after GoldenEye, GoldenEye just made it look bad. So, <laughs> but yeah, I still think the one that came after it was worse. So, mm. <laughs> I will, so we'll get to talk about that in our next episode, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you hard on that one when we get there. Mm. <clears throat> I mean, I haven't watched it since I've seen it in the movie theater, so maybe I need to... Uh, I think we skipped that when... You know, we didn't get to the Brosman movies when we rewatched all the Bond movies. We stopped after Dalton. But, uh, yeah, okay, we, interesting. We'll see. Brack, you've seen Tomorrow Never Dies, right? Any any opinions? Like All the Boston movies like kind of bled together to me, but I <laughs> actually liked it. And I like Michelle Yeoh in it, so that, that's what I remember. So, mm. yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's and, 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 and price, price is good. Yeah, price yeah, is good. Price is fun, and yeah. it, it, it does. With the screens and everything, like uh, I like his vibe in this movie. Like I don't remember his plan is kind of is insane. Well, yes. like, it's one of the more insane plans in, in like Bond history. But like uh, he brings it, like he is like chewing scenery like no one else oh, like oh yeah there, there is one really cool scene with Elliot Cover actually which uh, is pertinent and like predicted the future so that movie was made in like 97 or whatever but they are launching this new sort of uh, uh, program or software or something and he's saying basically make sure there are enough glitches in it so we can patch it later and charge them exorbitant prices for new patches <laughs> 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 literally be- that. <laughs> that literally Perfect. became the present. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's Proper good stuff. Was it also like fake news and everything? Like he actually controlled all the newspapers already yeah, or yeah. something? Yeah, yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing. Like he he. There's a scene where uh, you see him uh, like manipulating certain uh, news uh, shit and saying like, "No, we're gonna write this. We're gonna write that." And uh, make that shit up, and you know his whole plan is basically that—just artificially creating uh, a conflict that doesn't exist, and you know manipulating certain other news to fit that narrative. So yeah, it's you know it's kind of a you know it's a uh, it's a shallow pop conflict, but you know yeah. the, what what it's doing with its villain plan is so like to said, it's pretty prophetic. Like yeah, it's yeah. kind of. Contemporary now. Yeah, his, his his goals and his beats are like kind of more reali- realistic, but the way he goes about uh, uh, achieving those goals is insane. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, straight up. He didn't have to do that. Like he, all he needs is is money, really. At, if he worked today, he would have easy play. Like he do, don't need a fucking stealth mode to manipulate the news cycle. You just need fucking Facebook. So there you go. Oh man, well, the, 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 I have to oh, say on a on a personal level, this has one of my favorite quotes ever in a James Bond film. The hilarious moment where James Bond is fighting some dude in the newspaper uh, factory or whatever. And he throws some dude off the top of the newspaper building and he goes into the, like the presses and gets minced up. Mm-hmm. And you see these, this jet of newspaper with blood all over it. And James Bond coolly quips, oh, they'll print anything these days. That's <laughs> 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 just classic. Uh, very good. Yes. Uh, Bracky, you, you went, Ugh! and you sounded like you, did you just stamp yourself in the balls? Or did you have something to say? No, 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 I was just laughing at it. It's funny. <laughs> Rightfully so. All right. <laughs> well, let's move on to uh, the next one. So, number 17 is Diamonds Are Forever. Mm. So, this was Sean Connery's final outing as uh, James Bond, not including Never Say Never Again, which isn't an official Aeon production, so we're not going to cover it here. It's like, there are two, uh, talking about unofficial ones there are two unofficial james bond movies there's the 1967 casino royale movie which is just like this weird comedy movie mainly starring uh peter sellers but it has like also david niven and it features like many many james bond movies i have no interest in watching that shit because it's got a really bad rep and the other mm-hmm. one is uh never say never again which is like an unofficial mm-hmm movie starring uh sean connery sean connery yes yeah it's uh, kind of a semi-remake of certain parts of other movies i think there's uh, a bit of thunderball in yeah, there it is it's 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 a straight up remake of thunderball that's how they made it so uh but there's no underwater battle in there so no i guess they shied away from it. <laughs> oh. but it is a remake of thunderball because what happened was uh why that exists is that uh kevin mcclory and Ian Fleming, the author of James Bond, worked together on a movie script um, of Thunderbolt uh, together, and they tried to get it made into a movie, and then they completely failed. And then Ian Fleming went ahead and wrote the book Thunderbolt, basically taking a lot of McClory's ideas. Then later, when James Bond became successful, McClory's like, hey, dude, I fucking wrote Thunderbolt with you. And then they had a court case, and basically... Uh, he got the rights to Thunderball. McClory got the rights to Thunderball. And mm. also, within the scheme of Thunderball, the rights to use the James Bond characters only within the world of Thunderball and that plot. So, <laughs> therefore, after lots of legal battles with the company, he was finally allowed to make uh, uh, Never Say Never Again and got Sean Connery involved. However, as everybody who's seen that movie knows and as its reputation dictates it was an absolute shit show <laughs> so congratulations yeah, not a good movie no no it is i mean kim basin just hot in it but yeah that's about it damn peak peak like batman pre-batman oh, yeah. era, kim basinger <laughs> nice all right let's see diamonds are forever um what's happening here <clears throat> what's the bad guy doing in diamonds are forever and pay attention human metal this might amuse you that little shit blowfeld is back this time, he's stealing diamonds to make a giant mirror disc for a satellite he's launched. His plan? Mm-hmm. To harvest the power of the sun into a concentrated laser. Oh, and he's also used a form of plastic surgery to change his face so nobody recognizes him. Oh, 
Good things, double hmm. o- good thing 007 movies never repeat the same plot lines. <laughs> oh, and wow! I didn't, I didn't remember that it was a lot of time. Yeah, over. oh, and it's really literally uh, die another day. Yeah, hmm. it is. <laughs> it is straight <laughs> up. Oh, and one more thing: he holds the world to ransom again. Oh. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's not the movie. Is Blofeld? Uh, no, that's probably another movie. What's the, the movie where, where the bad guy is like in a U-boat on a crane? Oh, this just, is this one. Uh, yeah, they, I fucking love that scene. That's that amazing. So stupid. I love it's, it. It's like he doesn't realize that James Bond is, yeah. is co- controlling yeah. the crane, and he's like, "Stop it! Who's doing this? Yeah. This ridiculous! <laughs> he fucking loses his shit. It's like, of course, it's James Bond. He's trying to kill you. I, what the fuck? Oh man, that so, that had me annoyed. Mean, that had me fucking rolling in the aisles, human metal. That's it's, it's hilarious. The way it's he's fucking stupid. The way he's cussing out his crane operator is so funny. What the fuck are you doing? Who taught you how to use a crane? It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I mean, I remember it to be a rather fun movie. It's one of the better Roger Moore movies, right? Uh, it's uh, Sean Connery. But yeah. Oh, Sean Connery. Well, one of the better Sean. Con- Is it one of the better Sean Connery movies? I don't. He's kind of. Thought it was a Roger Move mo- movie. Weird. Uh, it's not human metal, believe me. I just watched all of these fucking okay. things. It's- yeah, no, I, I believe you. It's, uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, I think tone-wise, it felt more like a like a Roger Move movie. That's yeah, why yeah. I was confused. But uh, ironically, it's very it's very wacky. It, it comes before Roger Moore was even in James Bond. So um, yeah. Yeah, it it's like uh, uh, Sean Connery did uh, You Only Live Twice and then quit. And then there was one movie with George Lazenby uh, on Her Majesty's Secret yeah. Service. And then that failed really hard. And then they, they basically paid uh, Sean Connery like a whole bunch of money to come back for Diamonds Are Forever. And ah, had, had okay, that's the order. One last I remember hurrah. that movie to be kind of wacky and also... Weren't the sub henchmen like sub the mini bosses? Weren't they like a walking gay joke or something? But they, no, actually that was tastefully done. They were gay, but they they were not. I think they were actually that could have gone so wrong, but they were fine. They were literally gay. They were a gay couple. Human metal. It wasn't a gay joke. They were a gay couple. They were. Okay, I don't know. I remember maybe that was just the German dub then, but I think the uh, like the aff- affectionate talking, you know, you see often uh, associated with bad portrayal of gay people was very and, predominant in the German dub. I don't know, remember if it was in the English yeah, dub. So I, I don't think I didn't get that at all. Mm. They just seemed like you know they really liked each other and they were slightly camp, but not really camp either. Um, I think it was a fair portrayal of them. You know, I think you could watch that movie and not completely get that they were gay, other than the okay. fact that they occasionally held hands. Um, mm. All right. Anyway, here, here's the breakdown for this one. Um, to be honest, I was dreading watching Diamonds Are Forever during this Bond marathon. I wasn't overly familiar with this entry, and I thought I was in for a more serious Connery outing. And I was absolutely not in the mood for that when I when I sat down to watch it. <laughs> that kind of like darker film. Mercifully, <laughs> Diamonds Are Forever actually turned out to be a really fun, silly romp. It's not massively memorable and contains a few too many plodding car chases, but overall, it was a good time. Highlights include a pretty brutal fight in a small elevator, a creepy grey couple, uh, Mr. Wynn and Mr. Kid as the film's main henchman, 
one of whom is horrifically immolated whilst trying to stab one to death with a pair of shish kebabs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're at a table with all types of utensils, including carving knives, and you grab a pair of shish kebabs with actual meat and vegetables on them to give James Bond with. <laughs> what the fuck are you give doing? Give him a tasty death. Yeah, but the way he's burned alive is is insanely violent. He's just like this walking torch. <laughs> and really... the other guy get, gets a bomb strapped to his dick, so... <laughs> yeah, he does, that's right. That's so, so awful. That's no joke. <laughs> Uh, the oil rig climax of the movie is a bit clumsy but seeing the main bad guy's emergency escape sub caught on a giant magnet crane by Bond and then bashed into everything like a crazy pinball machine whilst the bad guy who's Blofeld again shouts obscenities at the crane operator who he thinks is his own employee is pretty damn funny (laughs) (laughs) I also love the scene just before that where everything is exploding in the villain's lair, and Blofeld's second-in-command turns to him and says, American troops have landed on the base. We must abandon our plan and escape. To which Blofeld replies, Nonsense! There is no escape or surrender. Get back to your post immediately, or I'll have you shot. And then turns around and whispers to another guy, Prepare my escape pod immediately. (laughs) That made me laugh out loud. So yeah, all in all, I was pleasantly surprised by Diamonds Are Forever. Like, I did not expect anything from that film and yeah had a had a really fun time with it so that's that's a really goofy one how about you brack you want to see diamonds are forever uh not especially it's like oh yeah that looks all right <laughs> yeah like, yeah sure it's 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 probably a lot fun if you watch a trailer of it or whatever like it's a lot more fun than than it seems i reckon that one yeah all right Let's uh, move on to the next one. Unless you have something else to say about Diamonds Are Forever, Human Metal? Uh, one one thing I piece? would like to see. Oh, yeah. I, I think part of it is set in Amsterdam, maybe. So, like, it yes, would be fun to see right. places I recognize from, like, only, like, filmed, like, 40 years ago or whatever. Yeah, there's uh, uh, the uh, really brutal fight in an elevator is in, is in the sequence in Amsterdam. That's pretty cool. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one. So number 16 on the list is Quantum of Solace. So the uh, the second Daniel Craig entry. So let's see. What are the bad guys up to in Quantum of Solace? So awesome. Totally memorable. Badass bad boy Dominic Green wants to control... <laughs> wants control of Bolivia's water supply so he can charge exorbitant utility rates. What? (laughs) To that end, he's bought a patch of desert where he can store and manipulate the flow of the country's water. Wow. You go, Dominic Green. What what a plot. It's probably the the most realistic plan of any Bond's movie, right? Man, that's why it's so boring. I mean, (laughs) this is is probably what happens in real life at some point. This is fucked up. Yeah, and, it's like, oh, yeah. and I, I love how they make it like this big twist where it's like, no, it's not about oil, it's about water. Whoa! It's like, Whoa! <laughs> it's like holy <laughs> shit! What kind of galaxy brain came up with that? No, it's just. And okay. it's, it's not like it's not like, man, are we gonna ransom you know the country because you know we're gonna create a giant drought or something or some crazy it's just like yeah we're gonna charge you know higher utility bills what <laughs> that's it that's his fucking it, plan 
I mean, sure. You know what it feels like? Everybody loves cash right? money. Right, like it's it's probably like like he's not like trying to control, but it feels like it's like it's not trying to put like a John Le Carré like plot into a James Bond like action packed James Bond movie. It just doesn't fit together. <laughs> All right, like I can see this in like a dry one of those slower, more drier like spy novels from from Le Carré. So like, and it fits there. But like, it, if you still say to want to have it have it be sexy like James Bond, that doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, Dominic Green must have, like, serious penis envy. You know, he's like, man, oh, I'm going to charge exorbitant, you know, utility rates. And he looks over to his left and is like, man, that guy's got a, a satellite with diamonds that concentrates into a laser and he's blowing up shit. Damn! Mm. <laughs> I got totally, like, fucked on my Spectre plan. Oh. <clears throat> All right, so here we go. Here's the breakdown of Quantum Solace. Quantum of Solace gets a bad rap, but I actually quite enjoy the film. Um, it doesn't have much in in the way of like grandstanding epic moments, but it does have a lot of enjoyable, smaller, more subtle moments, especially those of an emotional nature. Uh, there's a fantastic scene where Mathis dies in Bond's arms, and you get to see him break just for a moment before ultimately dumping his friend's body in the trash once the shields come back down. Uh, likewise, the final scene where Bond confronts Vesper's manipulative ex-boyfriend is full of catharsis and brings a nice closure to that storyline. Um, I also like the callback to Goldfinger, where Agent Fields is murdered and covered with oil, which also directly feeds into how the main villain is dispatched. It's a subtle detail which many people might miss, but that's the reason Bond gives Green the motor oil at the end of the film, out of revenge for killing Fields with the motor oil. Um, I got that. On an action level, I like the frenetic opening car chase, although I have to say many people don't. Um, and that's a real kind of bone of contention out there on the, on, the, on the YouTubes. And the fiery hotel climax is just like pure old school Bond. Uh, bad things about the film, it lacks a truly great action sequence and has a really weak villain. I mean, <laughs> Dominic Green is one of the best Bond baddies, said exactly no one ever. <laughs> like, the ultimate snub comes in Spectre where Blofeld has put up pictures of all the bad guys from Craig's previous movies in order to taunt him, except Green, who's just nowhere to be found because no one fucking cares. Also, <laughs> Quantum of Solace doesn't work well as a standalone movie. Almost all the Bond movies can be easily watched in isolation, including some of the modern ones like Casino Royale or Skyfall, but Quantum of Solace is too connected to the prior film to work as a standalone piece of entertainment, which ultimately, which ultimately weakens it, you know. It will never be that random Bond movie you choose to watch on a rainy Thursday when you're off sick from work with the flu. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can pop in, like, Moonraker or The Spy Who Loved Me or Skyfall anytime, but Quantum of Solace, the only time you'll ever go to watch that movie is when you're doing a run-through. You know, yeah. when, you, when you're actually watching all of Craig's films. Yeah, or, or, let, or just the first two. Like, which is what I did recently. I just was in the mood to rewatch Casino Royale, and I was like, oh, I haven't watched Quantum of Solace since, since I watched it in the movie theater because I didn't like it. And I was like, oh, let's see how this they wrap this up. I don't remember anymore. And I was like, oh, now I know why I haven't watched it again. <laughs> you just watch it like it's a special feature you watch after Casino Royale. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, let, let's take this up. <laughs> this is also, yeah, Greg, go first. 
were doing this episode, like I was like, okay, I, I don't really remember Quantum Souls. Let's watch a trailer, right? Like I watch a trailer on YouTube, and I look at the first comment, the most liked comment, which is this. No matter how many times I watch this movie, I don't remember what happens in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly how I feel about Quantum of Solace. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not disliking it, like, but like I completely forgot like everything about this movie. But like I don't remember yeah. shit from this movie, that's, like most of the that's, time. That's the living day. Like the, the, my, my big surprise in the uh, uh, in the trailer was when uh, uh, all of a sudden next to Jeffrey Wright was David Harbour from like Stranger Things. Like, hey, that guy! I, I, I recognize that guy. Which <laughs> I probably did it when I watched Quantum of Solace the first time. That's also one of the f- most fun things to do, going back to older movies and seeing actors in there that you didn't notice, obviously, when you watched it the first time. But since then, they have like uh, gotten their big breakthrough in some kind of thing you definitely watched. And then, you, oh, he was in that movie. She was in that movie. Crazy. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, yeah. That's half of what I'm rewatching X Files at the moment, and that's half of what I'm doing. Like, yeah. hey, that's Jack Black. It's like only really young. Yeah, so, yeah that's fine. Uh, I think. Again, just like with um, Tomorrow Never Dies, it's a bit unfair for to judge this movie, you know, when it came uh, after one of the best Bond movies of all time, or arguably the best. And uh, so judging it on its own is impossible because it's so heavily connected to what came before it, and it just can't hold, can't hold a candle to Casino Royale, not in terms of bad guy, not in terms of plot, uh, not in terms of uh, um, guest actors like Olga Kurilenko is no Eva Green, not even remotely. Uh, and uh, who else do we have in there? I think Strawberry Fields is like this throwaway character who dresses ridiculously. She's running around in this mini trench coat, which is like well, as an agent all the time, which is like what? <laughs> well, she she ran around Jurassic World in a pair of high heels, so yeah, I guess. But <laughs> it's just like. It's, you know, you have that and also you have, like you said, the weakest villain of them all. Just one of the weakest Bond's villain ever. I think he might uh, actually be the actually. I think he is the weakest Bond villain of all of them. Yeah. And that also hinders, like, the Especially climax. Especially when it comes to bench pressing, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, of course, Jonathan Price is worse than that in that regard. He doesn't uh, attack James Bond with an axe uh, in the end of his uh, his movie. I'm pretty and sure Jonathan Price has like some secret guns underneath those, those sweaters. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah maybe he does, but he's too scared to pull them out. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what a downfall. But uh, you know, at least at least he uh, Dominic Green or his character tries. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the guy who who was the actor. Who was the actor? Who was the what was I, the character? I, 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 don't, I don't know. Nobody cares. No, nobody cares. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're right. But uh, uh, Matthew Amorick. Uh, okay. Uh, but yeah, Dominic Green at least attacks Bond himself yeah. at the end there. Although, but although hilariously, or, he attacks Bond, but he actually doesn't. He he swings a Bond. He swings an axe at Bond and then basically jabs his own foot. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. And he's screaming all the time while doing it, like fucking. It's so fucking. It's hilarious. Um, and you know, the rest of the movie just plot is boring. There's not really, in my opinion, like there's not. Aside from cool, few cool scenes, I think the one in the opera house or what it was. Yeah, that's cool. That was kind of cool. But aside from that, that there's just not no real tension build up in this movie, in my opinion. There's nothing that is really like. 
okay, we gotta get we gotta get to the next thing, or we gotta know what is happening. It's just like, or you know, I really want to know how James gets out of this, or any any sense thing like that. There's no real sense of dread. There's no real sense of oh, the bad guy is like superior. He's two a million steps ahead of James. It's just like, yeah. Things are happening, action scenes are happening, but I was never really invested while watching it. And that's why probably for a lot of people, they also forget what happened in that movie once they stop watching it. Because they are not invested or the movie does not a good enough job to get them invested. Which I don't understand. Okay, this is not directed by Martin Campbell, but it's written by the same people who wrote Casino Royale. This is this is this is that's the problem with this. Like this movie is not written at all, actually. This movie was like hit straight through the writer's strike, right? Like, if you remember the writer's strike, so if, like, if scenes had to be written, the writer couldn't write it at all. He was, like, not... He couldn't. Like, he wasn't wasn't allowed to write, even the director, I think. So it was, like, actual General Craig himself has written multiple scenes in this movie. Really? He was, like, he was allowed to write it. Like, and and the writers weren't, because, like, of the... They're, like, part of, like, the writer's union and stuff. But they're still credited. Like, it's the same people... Yeah, it's the Brilliant same people credited like, as in Casino Royale. Paul Haggis, yeah, uh, Neil Purvis, and uh, I don't remember who the other guy was, but yeah. But that has so, to do with early drafts. But I remember definitely from this movie, it's like Daniel Craig has said in interviews that he and the director were like literally on days like writing dialogue and writing scenes themselves. Like on like crazy. shooting days. Yeah, it shows. It fucking shows. Did you know that? By, <laughs> also, uh, did you know by Hollywood lore, um, this is an interesting piece of trivia. Only three people by the union laws are allowed to be credited with writing something. That's interesting. No, I didn't know that. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Then why the other, like, why Daniel Craig is not listed as a writer? <laughs> okay. Ah, oh, man, it's a shame. This is one of those movies where you think what could have been then. Uh, now with that additional knowledge in hand, because considering who wrote this, who was on this, and Mark Frost is not a bad director. Um, I would say if you know if the writer strike didn't happen, this could have been a good follow-up to uh, to Casino Royale. But like this, uh, I like it. Yeah, also, yeah. I think if it came out like a year later or something, or like mm. or uh, two year later, then they would have had taken in the past, right? Like would have been come out by then and would have been a huge hit. And you know how Bond always like like naps from like he always like copies like stuff from other movies. So I think if they would have gone for more straightforward like revenge flick like mm. you know, like like take moves this could have been like pretty good and also is that really weird that this is the only bot movie only crack bot movie that has a game like it, there's no other game for any of the other like dead or crack bot movies and i've That's played bottle of songs I, 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 like I, I played golden i reloaded that has got daniel craig in it even though it's not his film yeah. <laughs> but hmm. that's what i mean like it's, just, it's the only movie that got a like a, a game made of it right and it's like uh, uh <laughs> this is the worst pick you could have had. Like Spectre, for example, good it has like some bones for like a cool game. It even has like a mid boss, you know, like with uh, and, and like cool set pieces and cool locations. And like Call of the is like doesn't have any of those things. And it oh. is like the, and it shows in the game as well, which is like uh, uh, like a Call of Duty clone only with a cover mechanic in it, which is alright. I played it. It was alright. Mm. Oh, yeah. it was it was alright. It was good. Yeah, at the time, I was like, "Oh, it's fine." It's just like this is more Call of Duty. And I like Call of Duty, so that's that's what I thought about it. Only with James Bond. Like, it's not my favorite crack 
they are crack video game like uh, there's like uh much bloodstone for example that was like in between quantum of solace and skyfall i think and that one was was pretty good it was like it has his own like story and actually plays it like very much like it's the other like bond story like it's a standalone bond movie only in like video game form with like its own, mm-hmm. really? its own theme song and it's like oh bond girl and stuff like that and it's more like of a uh, that's more of a uh, uh, Uncharted clone, you know what I mean? Like it, uh, mm-hmm. it, it takes a lot more from Uncharted. It's a lot of vehicle sections, which are great, actually. A lot of great, like vehicle sections, with, like a lot of explosions and like set pieces. And that one works really well. Is that? Uh, is that, that? Is that on PlayStation Four? No, it's uh, PS3 and uh, oh, Xbox 360. Bugger. But I, I enjoyed playing that one. It's not great or anything. It's not like damn, what a great game. But it was, mm-hmm. it's a fun, like, uh, like shooter hmm. i only feel bad for like the person who sing like sings like the song for that it was like yeah you're a great singer we love your your songs you want to make a james bond uh, song uh only for the video games though not for the movies <laughs> only for the video games you're not a good enough you're not a good enough musician for the movies speaking of songs quickly i think quantum of solace is one of the worst james bond songs ever oh no i like that one that's the guy that's the I one, with, that the, one. With the guy with uh the guy from the white stripes right that's i think that's jack a really white, cool one maybe jack white i don't yeah. like that one it was pretty cool it's kind of funky and rocky i so i like that way more than chris cornell's fucking casino royal that 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 one was like so bland and at least this one's got like a really cool I, like no, dynamic no, this melody is, no this felt uh, more like this weird r&b experiment that didn't work with that weird i don't know rap feel beat to it that I just I don't know that didn't work for me at all <laughs> plus that movie so yeah well no, it's, uh, it's definitely the one you don't remember from the quirk era yeah like it's like absolutely. yeah Quirk oh, yeah, of Solace uh, and what was that other Bond game that was decent was it called Agent Under Fire or Skyfire or I don't remember uh, I, I, like uh, obviously some great Bond games with uh, 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 Pierce Brosnan, which we're going to talk about when he hit those movies. But mm. the Greg era doesn't really have its own games all that much, like Quantum of Solace. And then he has, like, GoldenEye, which is like a movie. Yeah, they put Golden him in. Eye. GoldenEye Reloaded, yeah. 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 And then they did that again, right? They did it again with the last, latest last James Bond game, which is 007 Legends, which uh-huh. is just, like, putting Daniel Craig in, like, scenes from Goldfinger, uh, Secret Surfers, Moonraker... Yeah. License to Kill and right. Die Another Day. Yeah, Die Another Day is in there, right? Yeah, Human Method yeah. must be gagging for that one. Although that's Skyfall, actually, that's also that's some Skyfall scenes in there. But like, that's like like it feels like a demo disc from like games from all those uh, uh, series, and it's it's supposed to be really bad, like a really bad like Call of Duty clone. I I, like, I I'm sort of curious, hmm. right? Because I would play a Call of Duty game that's like takes the best parts of like Goldfinger and and like. Uh, uh, license to kill and die a day like that yeah. that sounds like it could be fun mm. but uh i mean you get to play the truck scene in in license to kill goddamn <laughs> oh good times <laughs> <laughs> but that's like a medical score of 45 so i doubt it's any good yeah i uh, during this whole period i i as i was saying i've been watching a lot of extracurricular um james bond stuff on youtube and i, I saw a guy play through the die another day sequence of that video game and it was legitimately terrible <laughs> it was really fucking bad <laughs> i think i've seen that video as well 
Oh, boy. All right, should we move on to the next one? Yeah, sure. Sure. So, uh, number 15 on our list is A View to a Kill, uh, which we all know Human Metal has probably not seen or can't remember very well. I can't remember. Um, yeah, so let's see. What's the bad guy up to in A View to a Kill? Chuckling blonde boy Max Zorin is an industry leader in microchips, but he wants a full monopoly. To that end, he wants to flood the San Andreas Fault with seawater, thereby creating a giant earthquake which will destroy Silicon Valley and also his competition. <laughs> so, All right. <laughs> or I should say blonde Nazi super soldier Max Zorin, because mm. he's actually a Nazi experiment um, when dating back from World War II where the Nazis were trying to uh, make super soldiers. So he's like super smart, super strong, etc. <clears throat> All right. Interesting. So here we go. Um, my breakdown of uh, of you to a kill. I think this entry represents the start of the really memorable 007 movies for me. I think the movies below this, you know, are kind of a bit suspect and a bit ropey. Now we're getting into fun stuff, uh, in my opinion. I really love a view to a kill, even though I can obviously see some objectively bad things about it. Speaking of which. This movie, along with several other Bond entries, really suffers from substantial overlength. You could have easily shaved off 20 minutes from this film and ended up with a better product. Uh, the scenes with the water pumping station, the jacuzzi rendezvous with the Russian spy, which is really heavily parodied in uh, Austin Powers, by the way, and even the city hall fire and the subsequent action scene with the fire engine could have and probably should have been snipped. Also, a brief dishonorable mention goes out to Tanya Roberts, who plays the hero Bond girl in the film. Her performance is absolutely terrible and is, for my money, the worst Bond girl ever. I mean, a fucking plank of wood could act better than that girl, man. She's like every, every time she opens her mouth, you just want to shove a sock in there and deport her back to acting school. Um, but there's also so much to enjoy in the movie. There are a bunch of really cool action sequences with some genuinely impressive stunt work. The elevator jumping sequence on the Eiffel Tower is great, where James Bond is leaping elevator to elevator, like kind of parkouring his way down the Eiffel Tower. That's fucking awesome. Um, uh, as is the amazing car chase through Paris that ends up with Bond driving only f the front half of the car as both the roof and the back half of the car got torn off somewhere during the chase. <laughs> it's really funny it's just so much fun uh the movie also has a pair of classic villains in christopher walken as max zorin and grace jones who roger moore personally hated and has repeatedly gone out of his way to diss her in public which is really weird because you know roger moore is such a nice guy affable guy uh you know on screen and off screen and rarely says a bad word about anybody yet will go out of his way when he even remotely like provoked to, to say bad things about grace jones okay <laughs> but anyway Weird. grace jones is excellent as mayday in in this film um the film has one of the best ever bond climaxes with the great battle in a flooding mine and then the ultimate like blimp battle over the golden gate bridge uh, I love the way Christopher Walken chuckles to himself just before he falls to his death off the side of the bridge. <laughs> mm. He's one of those villains who takes real pleasure in being bad and just seems to be having fun with everything he's doing, including dying. He's like, oh, James, what you fucking rascal, you, <laughs> before he plunges to his death. <laughs> I love that. 
Um, one thing I'll take a moment to point out in this movie, because it's a microcosm for every other more entry, is just how fucking bad James Bond is at undercover work. It's hilarious. The scene where Bond meets the villain undercover is a Bond trope, especially in the Moore era. In this movie, he meets Zorin, posing as like an English lord looking to buy expensive racehorses at a fancy auction. And Zorin, the bad guy, is like so happy to meet him and seems completely polite and at ease with him. And then Bond, for whatever fucking reason, repeatedly needles him and makes some very unsubtle references to a previous murder that he was involved in. This leads the bad guy to get all frosty, abandon their conversation, go straight to his security and basically say, keep a close eye on that guy, he's suspicious as fuck. Bond, that is not how undercover works, you fucking moron. (laughs) But still... I really love uh, A View to a Kill. It's silly and fun and full of really memorable scenes. Like, I haven't even taken the time to mention some of the other like great action scenes, like the whole horse racing scene where they have these... Uh, where the bad guy has James Bond's horse equipped with a crazy button that every time he presses it, James Bond's horse goes crazy. Um, that's also a really <laughs> fun scene. Um, and there's a scene where the bad guy's figuring out who James Bond is. Um, he's like tapping in details into his computer while Roger Moore sitting opposite him. And Roger Moore thinks like he's putting in information about racehorses or something. And actually he's, he's literally researching who he is on, on the internet or whatever. And he's finding out he's James Bond. He's just there like doing that very Christopher Walken thing. Woo! Oh! Laughing to himself while finding out the guy sitting on opposite him is like a deadly killer. Uh, so yeah, as you can probably hear, I got mad love for uh, A View to a Kill. It's not a very popular movie and often is down in the rankings of, of, of people's Bond Bonds list, but I love it. I just like this. Like Human Metal Would Die Another Day, I have a, just a personal hard-on for that film. I just love it. How about you guys? Any any, any thoughts about A View to a Kill? Yeah, one. Uh, that Duran Duran song is a total banger. Oh, like, that's a good song. Fucking is. Just, I, I, I think that may, might be my favorite James Bond film. Uh, no, that might be my favorite James Bond song. You know, dance into the fire. Oh, there is just one really, really funny, hilarious uh, 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 moment in the movie that just makes me just crack that crack up, which is how bad and stupid it is. Um, where you know usually in a James Bond film you have the moment where someone says the title of the film um, in mm-hmm. some way or other and A View to a Kill has the most hilarious ever example of that in any James Bond film where the, the Zorin and Mayday are in a blimp and they're coming over the Golden Gate Bridge and Mayday says wow what a view and then Zorin leans into him for no reason on this earth just says to a kill <laughs> and then <laughs> nods to himself like he's really fucking happy about something <laughs> i did a funny yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just like, like the most splinter. it's just like the most random thing ever <laughs> i feel bad for not remembering this movie at all because it sounds fun but maybe it was when we rewatched it um 
it was at the tail end, like it was the last Roger Moore movie, I think. It was, yeah. And and maybe we were kind of sick of him by by then. I don't know, but uh, I don't remember anything from that movie aside from Mayday, because she's a very uh, captivating pre- presence in that movie. But uh, aside from this, I I didn't remember anything about the plot. I didn't even remember that fucking uh, Christopher Walken was the bad guy in it. So he's amazing. Uh, I might it. need. To- I might need to rewatch it. I, I really I remember nothing about a view to a kill. I feel bad. So, oh, hmm. as you can probably imagine, Christopher Walken as a Bond bad guy, he absolutely chews the scenery in that film. He yeah, is just sure. he's having so much fun just being evil. Every he's like he's almost like Xenia on the top. Anytime he kills someone, he's just like laughing hysterically to himself about it. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, I I just I just love that film. Got massive love for that. You want to see a view to a kill, Brack? Uh, yeah, I think I will watch this one because of your recommendation. Like, I don't really have that much interest in it. I might watch one of the more well-regarded Roger Moore movies first oh, before I don't jump in into the Roger Moore era. That's that's definitely the boy who loved me. You can't fucking go wrong with that film. That film's the gangbusters. I would say also one... a movie I don't remember anymore. Oh my! <laughs> I feel so bad. God, that movie's classic. Jesus! I believe you. I just oh, we get to talk about adventure. Yeah. Uh, uh, one thing I will say about A View to a Kill, which you know everybody complains about and is quite funny. Roger Moore is really old. He's like your grandpa in that film. Like your, your kindly <laughs> old grandpa. Yet he's still got his like you know sexual mojo and sleeping with women who are, like literally could be his granddaughter or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Jesus Christ for that, but uh, everything else about that movie, love it. All right, so moving on, um, let's go to uh, the next entry in the list, which is the penultimate one, which is number fourteen, Die Another Day. Hey, yeah, I know Human Metal's excited about this one. So let's see what is the bad guy up to in Die Another Day. Suave, handsome British man Gustav Graves isn't actually British at all. <gasps> He's actually North Korean, but has gone through a process of facial reconstruction to make him more like a Westerner. His plan? To use his billions gained from mining conflict diamonds to build a satellite which can harness the sun's power into a concentrated laser. His goal? To lead the North Korean army to worldwide conquest and <gasps> gain the love of his estranged father. Ah, such a sweet boy. All right. Okay. So before Human Metal pens a an absolute <laughs> love letter that there's no coming back for, I will go through my breakdown of this film. So uh, this one gets a bad rap in general. Even Pierce Brosnan and Roger Moore have gone on record to say that this is their pick for the weakest entry. Although Moore also really doesn't like License to Kill, and I don't get that because that's just straight up awesome um i personally think die another day is a lot of overblown fun though it takes the outlandish aspects of like roger moore's films and then runs them into the end zone and then some like the the invisible aston martin stupid as fuck but it's still great fun i really enjoy that car and it has a great action sequence late in the film as it battles an enemy gadget equipped car the way that Bond uses the car's ejector seat to flip the upside-down vehicle back onto its wheels, whilst also dodging an incoming missile, is totally badass. The crazy escalating sword fight in the fencing club is also a fantastic highlight. 
Um, I also enjoy the opening portion of the film, with Bond being captured and tortured for a few years. The feeling of him returning to action after being out of commission for a while adds a little extra spice, although I do wish that that aspect and also his disavowal status was explored a little more in a kind of like a Dark Knight Returns kind of thing. Things wrong with this one, it's overlong and bloated. It, there are many scenes, for example, the laser cutter battle with the extremely bland Mr. Kill, which should have been cut. The whole, of course, the whole awful CG surfing on a tidal wave scene. That's just bad. Um, I also absolutely hate Halle Berry's Jinx character and feel she's completely superfluous to the plot. Um, you know, she could be just totally taken out of the movie and the movie would be just fine without her. And finally, the face morphing crap is several steps too far into the what the fuck territory, even for a Bond film. But still, there's more than enough colourful, daft fun in this movie to have uh, a massively good time with. I enjoy it, despite all of its very glaring faults. I mean, at the very least, no one could ever accuse this movie of being bland, or not giving it absolutely everything. This movie goes all in on the batshit crazy insanity, which is a joyous thing in its own kind of naff way. So there you go, Human Metal. There's my breakdown. Run wild. I don't need to add much more to that uh, aside from uh, I love it. Aside Not from the... Sigmund Freud. Analyze this. Analyze this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it also has a has a bad intro song that is really catchy and I love it. Uh, no, I, I like it as well. It's so bad. Like it. like you can't help but like enjoy it. It's, and yeah. especially like when it's played over like torture seats. Yeah. <laughs> it's like scorpions everywhere. Pop song and like like he's like getting like tortured there you're like segment Freud, analyze this. That's like oh <laughs> <laughs> This 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 intro tells you I mean the, the wave riding scene also and everything. Uh, I mean the movie does tells you exactly what you're in for, that intro if you didn't know it by then, because it's so dumb uh, and ridiculous, but also catchy. And that's what this movie is. It's dumb ridiculous, also very fun and catchy. And uh, I all I have to say to what you said, I don't love it despite its flaws. I love it because of them. Like all, I love all the stupid dumb shit. I love the incredibly bad looking uh, surf uh, surfing scene, like tsunami surf scene that oh, looks huh? so. That CG is so bad, but I love it because <laughs> it is so bad. And uh, everything in that movie, the, the it, over the top bullshit, the whole thing of of a North Korean guy turning himself into a British dude, the bullshit fights. That that super fucking escalate like you know the meme that escalated quickly the fight scene between Gust of Graves and James Bond in the fencing school is just that where it's like <laughs> they have like this nice part then immediately they try to kill themselves like like go <laughs> it's like wait <laughs> James James not stopping like for a moment being like why the fuck what is wrong with you <laughs> we have never met <laughs> what the fuck is happening. <laughs> And everything, everything is super fun and ridiculous. The action scenes are well choreographed, and and yeah, the the car chase with the the, the car battle stuff that is totally up my alley. Like the giant laser cannon, uh, like the fucking ice castle. <laughs> everything about this movie is fucking dumb, but it's also super fun and hilarious, and I love it. And I think this is like the uh, Pierce Brosnan's answer or Pierce Brosnan era answer to Moonraker in a way only. Mm. I don't feel like there is this... You, you say the movie is too long, but I don't feel it has that much dead air in it. I think everything that happens in it is 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 not necessarily well-paced, but it, it didn't feel like it dragged anywhere. 
And uh, I always had a fun time. I was like, yeah, now the next uh, stupid bullshit is around the corner. Now the next dumb, hilarious bullshit is around the corner. I never felt like it was dragging its feet, really. Maybe plot-wise, because it really tries to extend the mystery of who Gustav Gustav Graf actually is a bit too long, maybe. But uh, aside from that, it's like... I don't know. It didn't feel like it dragged its feet. It didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome. Uh, there's so much dumb shit, come uh, new dumb shit every minute of this movie. And I also didn't hate uh, Halle Berry in this movie. Uh, uh, yeah, she's yeah. she's just she, she's she's the basic Bond character that that kicks ass like the gender flip version of James, basically. That's what she is in this movie for. And uh, the actual Bond girl that has some substance to her is uh, is Frost. Um, I forgot her first name. You know, Miranda. the agent, Miranda, M- Miranda, right? Who is who is like uh, the 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 double agent and everything, and she's a more interesting one. But you know, Jinx is just fun because because she kicks ass and you know uh, does does some uh, does some fun shit and also has some some decent one liners and everything. So although that final scene where she just fucking stabs Miranda and then. Has some has one really dumb uh, one line. It makes no fucking sense. I have almost, I forgot what it was, but it's really it doesn't make a lick of sense. I think she <laughs> says I think she says read this bitch. Yeah, or something she, like that. I, I, Mar- I mean, I get it. Miranda Frost it's, says it's in a book. Yeah, yeah, you know. Well, Mar- I read your every move. I can yeah, read your every yeah, move can, or something. Yeah, he's like I can, I can read your every move. Yeah, read this bitch. <laughs> and she just fucking stabs her. Through the through the book, but Miranda should have seen that there is a knife hilt coming out of that fucking book, so it makes no fucking sense. But I'm okay with it because at the same time, James is battling a fucking anime villain who is in a fucking Iron Man suit and throws lightning at him. So <laughs> what do I give shit about some knife bullshit one-liners? Who gives a fuck? That shit is awesome, and he gets thrown into fu- into a fucking airplane turbine. It's so it's all great. It's all it's fucking ridiculous. great. It's ridiculous. It's dumb bullshit, and I love it to death. I think that movie is one of the best James Bond movies that are so bad that they're good, which is my other no, uh, favorite kind of James Bond movies, aside from uh, the really good ones. One yes. of the reasons why people probably didn't like this. You know which movie came only like a couple of months before this? Uh, Jason Bourne, like the first Bourne ah. identity. Uh, right? Yeah, like, the like the, 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 the culture, like the threat, definitely chased away from like this insanely goofy shit and like towards like the more gritty realistic even if it isn't really realistic but like realistic feeling gritty stuff and that like Diana comes out and it's probably like the wildest bond in like since Moonraker right like it's insane and was then, directed like, by was directed by a Korean uh, guy right I think it was directed by a South Korean character Wow. Yeah, throwing shade on North Korea there <laughs> by the South Korean director. <laughs> by the way, they definitely they should. <laughs> <That's been honest. laughs> yeah. Although oh, I, it's I, a New Zealand director. Uh, to to Bragg's point about uh, Jason Bourne, I saw a really interesting interview um, with Pierce Brosnan recently, which he 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 did in during COVID lockdown, and it was actually a live watch through of Pierce Brosnan watching Goldeneye. Um, and I sat through like the whole two hours plus or whatever it was, um, watching Piers Brosnan, you know, most of the time he's just sitting there doing this at the camera and occasionally, (laughs) you know, spilling some occasional gold. But one of the things that he spilled out was what Brack said. He was like, um, I remember 
when we were making when we were like preparing Die Another Day for release, and then uh, the James the Jason Bourne movie came out, and I watched it, and immediately I was like, yeah, we're we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I guess even the filmmakers realized that. Yeah, but yeah, did you? Did, but you, your opinion though, Bragg? Do you like the movie? I mean, I don't. I couldn't gauge whether you liked it or not. I enjoy it because it's like really silly and it's like it's crazy and over the top and fun. It's what he said about anime movie. This feels a lot like Speed Racer in the movie. You know what I mean? It's like the same level yeah. of craziness almost. And it's like that's a literal live action anime movie. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is this is weird, but funny. So like, yeah. like you, you definitely like there's two things that you're never gonna be bored while watching this movie. That's like a straight up fact. Like yeah. it's, it's it's too silly and fun for them. Yes, it's, it's yeah. it, I, I I always like equate this to like in Moonraker, um, like Human Meta was saying. I feel that's a bad version of this type of movie, but I feel like the good version of this movie is Octopussy, which is just batshit. Also, just batshit crazy start to finish. Um, yeah, I've seen Octopussy in a while. I need to rewatch this then. Oh, I fucking love Octopussy, man! Or, oh, in fact, uh, after watching all of these James Bond films, that was the one movie I actually decided to buy on Blu-ray. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I could deal with having Octopussy in my life. <laughs> I should, I should buy Die Another Day because every time I watch that movie, I have a big fat smile on my face because I mean, it's so fucking outrageous, and uh, it's just, yeah. Aside from, you know, we're probably gonna talk. Maybe Break and I will talk about our favorites, so we'll probably pick the same one. Uh, but aside from that one, I think Die Another Day is the one I just I, I just like to watch. It's every, it's fun every time for me. And I am aware it's a bad movie. I'm aware it's ridiculous. I'm aware it's uh, it's got some bad acting in it. Partial, oh, well, okay, no, it's actually fine, I guess. Uh, I guess uh, and some... Stu- incredibly stupid plot elements and nothing makes sense but if you don't take it seriously and if you just uh, you know treat it like I don't know a dumb anime movie or like like a dumb comic book movie uh, with a crazy super agent with his toys which James Bond is and don't try to take uh, try to and don't try to look at this as this secret agent thriller and just as an outrageous comic book movie then I think it works really well and maybe yeah you're right that's not what people wanted that at that point in time um uh, so you know, it maybe gets some unf- some more unfair critique than it deserved, but it's just it's just a fun movie. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, sometimes that's all you need. Well, so. you, well, yeah. I mean, uh, in your defense, I have four James Bond movies on DVD in my house, and they are you know, Goldeneye, Goldfinger, Octopussy, and Die Another Day. So <laughs> no Casino Royale yet. I'm surprised. No, no Casino Royale. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. All right, right. so let's move on to the last entry in this particular episode, which is number 13, and that is Live and Let Die. Now, I think, unequivocally, we are into masterpiece territory here, and this is quite low on the list, but I I think this is, this could be, you know, like a a pick for, like, top five for other people. Um, This has, like, a, this, this movie sort of reinvented the wheel of James Bond when the wheel really needed to be reinvented and introduced it to another generation like like the way that Goldeneye refreshed things with Pierce Brosnan and Casino Royale refreshed things with Daniel Craig I mean this is before our generation but that's what Live and Let Die did for that generation 
um, this was a huge, massive, important step in the history of James Bond. But anyway, let's see what the bad guy's up to in Live and Let Die. So, American drug dealer Mr. Big and Caribbean Prime Minister Kananga are secretly the same person. <gasps> Sorry. He's... <laughs> His plan, which doesn't make sense at all, his plan is to be both the supplier and distributor of his own heroin. <laughs> what? Even worse, he plans to flood the market with a billion dollars of free heroin, thus leaving him with a monopoly after his competitors get put out of business. To be honest, his plan really doesn't make much sense when you think about it very carefully. Mr. B Mr. Kananga, you are a very poor businessman. I mean, well, I mean, once he floods the market and gets out, drowns out his competitors, he can raise the prices again. I think yeah, that's that, that, probably that's what, what he's... That's what he's planning for. But just yeah, because you flood heroin sense. with free samples, it doesn't mean that people go out of business. Like, you just... Don't, surely those people can maybe maybe steal his heroin examples, like samples and sell them or just wait for them to disappear and then start selling their own heroin again um i don't know maybe he has like a much better product than everybody else like walter white and maybe. yeah <laughs> uh you want to do the breakdown first or um yeah i guess i guess so why not mm -hmm. uh, do, do quick and then we can dive into it okay <clears throat> live and let die is a real product of its time it really captures the essence of 1970s culture and filmmaking the film equates to James Bond versus black heroin smugglers and takes a lot of cues from the black exploitation genre. You might think that this film would be riddled with latent racism, but it's actually tactfully done. It doesn't feel like fingers are pointed in a malicious way. It just happens that the bad guys are black, not that they're bad guys because they're black. Um, as such, it's not a particularly culturally off-putting film, which I'm thankful for, because it could have easily skewed in that direction and would have aged really badly, and would have been a real sore spot on the history of James Bond. Um, the best thing about this movie is its local colour. The scenes of New York and New Orleans in the early 70s are just gorgeously filmed, and you get to see a world that just doesn't exist anymore. There are a few fantastic action sequences in the movie too. Uh, the central speedboat chase is full of memorable stunts and comedy beats, even though the hillbilly Sergeant Pepper is an acquired taste. Uh, likewise, <laughs> the Caribbean double-decker bus, uh, bus chase is also super fun, with motorcycles being crashed and exploded in all manner of fun ways. There's also a terrifying stunt on a crocodile farm, where Bond gets stuck on a small island surrounded by crocs. Uh, he escapes by running across a row of crocodiles, using them as stepping stones to reach safety. That's a straight practical stunt, with real crocodiles tied down and a real guy running over them. There's some scary unused takes where the stunt guy, who is actually the crocodile farm's owner, fails his run and almost gets his feet bitten off. I mean, it's, it's, seriously, that is frightening stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, I mean, they, I think there's one take where he literally he gets the back end of his trousers or his pants stuck on a crocodile's tooth. It's, it's scary. Uh, Jane Seymour Solitaire is an unbelievably beautiful and memorable Bond girl. I mean, Jesus Christ, like, you know, as I used to say, like, dick duct tape to the belly. Though, man, that girl's hot. 
The scene where Moore tricks her into giving up her virginity is one of the most asshole moves that Bond ever made. There's a really funny scene in bed after they first have sex where Bond is trying to get information from her. But she keeps prattling on about how he took her virginity and how she'll never be the same again. And Bond gets gradually more and more annoyed with it, rolling his eyes and desperately trying to change the subject, as you do with someone who won't stop prattling on about, you know, personal issues that are none of your business. <laughs> He's just such an uncaring, selfish dick in that scene. But I find it absolutely hilarious and very much in the wheelhouse of James Bond's character. That's exactly how you expect he would be. Mm. Uh, what lets the film down and ultimately places it further down the rankings for me is its totally jarring climax. Uh, the movie is relatively grounded and doesn't need a villain's lair or a climax full of poisonous snakes, sharks, monorails or bad guys who literally float up in the air and explode from inflatable gas pellets. But alas, <laughs> that's what it has. It's like a scene from a completely different movie was sneaked in. Um... The climax partially recovers with the final fight sequence in the train compartment, thus adding to the list of like classic Bond on the train scenes. He really should learn his lesson and find a safe way to travel. I'd shit my pants every time I boarded a train if I was fucking James Bond. But overall, Live and Let Die is a classic and a must-see Bond movie. Um, in my opinion. But Human Metal wants to disagree with me, I feel. So Human Metal, I will, I will turn the floor to you. Well, I would agree that it is a classic. First of all, I think what you said about the look of the movie is accurate. It, you know, it has some really incredible set pieces. Um, I think that I think that the finale of the of the movie is not as um, like out of nowhere as you make it out to be. Like the movie has a lot of I don't know. Um, supernatural imagery and elements in it with all the voodoo stuff and everything so it getting a bit crazy at the end in terms of how it wraps up fits the bill a bit um i i I really don't mind it um what i mind and what i think you said uh, is what you uh, said about moonraker is for me in the middle part of this movie which is the boat chase which goes on way too long, in my opinion. It's way too long, and there's not enough interesting stuff happening, in my opinion. There are a few cool scenes, but a lot of scene, uh, a lot of the stuff is just fucking boats driving next to each other, kind of slowly. And w- then there is a moment, and I watched that with a friend of mine, and Bond finally gets out of the boat because it breaks down, and we're like, oh, fucking finally. And then he fights a new one! He gets in it! <laughs> And then the fucking shit continues for another 10 minutes or something. Or like, holy shit, will this never end? I'm going to die before this boat chase is over. <laughs> it's horrible. And that, you know, that's one of those points that just went on way too long in this movie. Um, but aside from that, I enjoyed it. I think it's one of the best intro songs uh, there are. Um, uh, yeah, and like you said, like the vistas are very different from a bunch of other movies. Like, uh, like I said, and the set pieces are uh, are great. So yeah, it's it's definitely a good Bond movie. Could have been a bit shorter in certain parts, uh, but aside from that, yeah, it's it's good. I I like it. I yeah I I I as I said during the breakdown, I disagree with the uh, the boat sequence. I think that's a really good sequence, full of many different funny beats and and scenarios so yes that is a very long boat chase but like for example the scene where you were saying the way that he steals uh he he gets a new boat is actually really funny because 
he crashes into the wedding, right? And like he his boat he drives his boat up into the land and interrupts a wedding jumps out and says oh uh, excuse me or something and then they're all saying like what the fuck is happening here and he literally runs off and steals the married couple's boat like <laughs> it's just a really funny comedy beat i really i really love that transition and then the next boat the bad guys following him over and they completely wipe out the wedding cake as well and then you just see that hilarious shot of the, the bride just going and bursting into tears <laughs> it's so stupid Understandably so wasn't the uh, the hillbilly uh, sheriff dude in two movies? Because he, he remembers was. James. Yeah, he's he's also in the Man with the Golden Gun, which I really which ah, I right. really like um, that movie. Um, yeah, but it he, came first, right? No, this one was first. This was Roger okay. Moore's first film, and the Golden Gun was the next one. Um, I think this one film. is I think this one is stronger than Golden Gun for me, actually. Weirdly enough, I so think. maybe it's because of the locales and everything. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that like I was saying, that, like the 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 strongest thing is the location in this one, and I mean it's gorgeous. But 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 Christopher Lee is a stronger villain. I'd have to. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. I I also believe that Golden Gun is the uh, the stronger film, and I'll explain why when we come to it in the next episode. Um, mm-hmm. Brack, are you interested to see uh, Live and Let Die, which I think generally was regarded as a classic. Um, not really, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally imagine that. <laughs> you know, I accidentally I watched the dead, the final death in this movie. I watched that, which, by the way, <laughs> great pick because, because like, uh, they're fighting in like a place with sharks, right? Yeah. And you totally see like, like okay, the bad guy is gonna get eaten by a shark. You know, like that's gonna happen right now. Like, there's no way around it. Like, the the setup of a movie, you know, sharks fighting. Like they he tried it with sharks earlier. They're gonna die, let it die with the shark. And then he puts like something in his mouth, which I have no clue what it was, right? Like I haven't seen the movie. I'm Some the kind team. of air pressure bullet or something uh, like that. And it just like blows up and it just flies through the air. It just pops like a balloon. <laughs> it's like that's great. That's awesome. What a surprise. What a twist. <laughs> no guts though, just the clothes for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, that is really funny, though. <laughs> I mean, I could have easily filled like some puppet with with blood and everything, but that probably would have been too graphic for for I don't know that rating, whatever it was, PG thirteen. I don't know. It's like it's, it's like a Yafit Goto shaped balloon. Yeah, it's really funny. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's the the, the for Brack's uh, edification. Those are actually anti shark pellets he has, like Batman, where he can shoot a shark and the shark will <laughs> explode. <laughs> Ah, right. Yes. There, there is kind of like a setup scene before before he murders him with that. Uh, that's, that's classic stuff. So we, we've come to the end of uh, the movies in this particular entry, but we're going to quickly talk about how we feel about the individual James Bond actors and, you know, maybe what we think their legacy is on the franchise and, yeah, how much we personally like them. Um. So we'll start with the uh, first James Bond, who is obviously Sean Connery. So I'll, I'll hand the floor over to you guys. What do you think about Sean Connery as uh, James Bond? Uh, I think from another guy we're going to talk about later, he's probably my favorite, quote-unquote, just because he's so iconic. Like, when I think of classic James Bond, I think of Sean Connery. It's just... That's how it is. I mean, everyone, all of the Bond actors have a different take, an interesting take. 
But I think when I think of classic secret agent suave uh, womanizer dude that James Bond is supposed to be, uh, that Sean Connery for me. Like I can't, I can't help it. You know, there might be some movies of other actors that I like better. In fact, a bunch of them have movies that I like better than most of the Sean Connery movies. But uh, in terms of actual portraying that character, yeah, it's one of my two favorites, I think. How about you, Breck? I think he's a, he's great, but like I don't have any like personal attachment to it. Like he's iconic, and if mm. I think about James Bond, that's like it's like the picture of James Bond you imagine, right? Like yeah. every other Bond after that is compared to him, in a way. So I, I think that's the the best part about it. But it's not he's not my favorite Bond. I I don't even sure if he's in my top three even. Mm. But I haven't seen much of many many of his movies or like stuff, so yeah, I, I have no real opinion on it. I um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I yeah, Sean Connery is iconic, and he's a really sort of tough, cold, you know, sort of brutal James Bond. Uh, I think. Um, but he also has a way with words and everything, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's got a way with words, and he's got certainly got a way, you know, with getting the odd quip out and stuff. And his mm-hmm. cadence and tone is just perfect. I mean, whenever you see a 007 movie, Sean Connery is never the thing that's wrong with it. Um, mm. He's he's pretty much always solid in in all of his films. Um, but yeah, uh, but you, he's from a generation that is too far be- beyond mine so mm. whilst i respect what he did and what he gave to the to the james bond franchise and you can see pieces of him in everything subsequent you know all the james bond actors have a little piece of sean connery in them um yeah he's just not my favorite either and like like brack I, I he ironically you know despite the fact of being so iconic, he'd be under a lot of the other James Bonds um, on this list. All right, yeah. So, but God bless you, Sean Connery. Also, did you know that in Skyfall, they wanted to bring Sean Connery back, and they were in negotiations uh, with Sean Connery mm-hmm. to actually pay the groundskeeper in the film. Um, mm-hmm. That would have been pretty cool if they had managed to get that. Yeah. 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 Well, I great. I, I'm not sure if I would like that, actually. A bit too meta, maybe. That as well, and I like, yeah, yeah. And uh, no, no, I'm not sure. Like because then they're like, oh, is, is, does this mean that James Bond is a code word? Like they, they're always those 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 people talking about like James Bond is not his real name; it's like a code name for him, right? Well, and yeah, that, the, other, the story oh, of Skyfall kind of invites that, though. To be yeah, fair, like, they set that up. Yeah, so I, I, I wouldn't hate it. And it's it's weird, like I, I gotta agree, it's weird that like in the fourth act of the movie, because like Skyfall is a four four act movie, which is insane already, right? And then in the fourth act they introduce a new character you have no attachment to, and have him like kind of give him an important part. That's kind of weird as well. Mm-hmm. Right, the groundskeeper character in general is like a weird like inclusion in like the last ten minutes of that movie and give him like so much. Uh, so much to do. Yeah, they were they, mm. they were looking for uh, Sean Connery to be him, which would have been awesome. But uh, you know, Albert Finney's not bad. I mean, that's that's a good addition too. Uh, I quite like the character of Kincaid. Um. Uh, okay, so next up on the list is uh, George Lazenby, who was only in one movie, which was On Her Majesty's Secret Service. 
Uh, which you get to talk about in the next episode. Yeah, which we'll get to talk about in the next episode. Uh, spoiler alert, that film's fucking great. Like, yep. Absolutely fan-fucking-tastic. Uh, but what do you think about George Lazenby as James Bond? I think he's fine. It's just, you know, he yeah. was in just one movie, and that's... He, you know, you don't associate him with Bond, really, because not, I don't think that many people have actually ever seen on a Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, it's one, definitely one of the lesser-known Bonds. And, you know, his performance was not something like that moved heaven and earth or something like that. He was a decent Bond. He wasn't a... Re- we get to that. We were, he wasn't a really good Bond movie. But it's just... It's it's all right. <laughs> but he, you know, he didn't bring any really interesting to the table, in my opinion. All right. Yeah. How about you, Brack? Uh, I don't have a real opinion of it, of him. But when I see his face, he looks like if they made like a, a TV version of James Bond, like John Indiana Jones, only James Bond, then they would have guessed like kept George Lazenby. He, like that's that's my feeling when I just look at his like picture of like him as there as like Bond. Uh, but I haven't seen that movie yet. Damn. I might try to watch it in between episodes, but before the next episode, I might have watched it. So I don't have any real opinion on it. Okay, so I, I won't get too deep into uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. I'll save that for the next episode, but it is absolutely just fantastic, brilliant, all-time classic James Bond film. One of the best. However, I hate George Lazenby. He's crap in that <laughs> film. He, okay. he, he is a terrible, terrible actor in a fucking excellent film. And mm. everything wrong with that film is him. Um... So, so the opposite Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, it's like Sean Connery and Roger Moore, they are perfect in occasionally bad films. George Lazenby is awful in an excellent film. Um, that's maybe maybe that's why I, you know, I remember his performance as okay because I like that movie so much. So Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe it ele- elevated his performance, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember him being that bad, but if you say so that might be the case actually and I just like the movie. Let- let me let me tell you how 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 bad George Lazenby is. And I'm, I'm hello, slight spoilers alert for him on a Majesty's Secret Service here. But um, although again, ah man, I should, maybe I should save this. But like save it. We get save to talk about him. We save it. Uh, talk about him again. Because maybe I have watched it by then, so I have an actual opinion. Yeah. So we yeah, bring it up then and talk about again why he you think he is so bad. You can make that a point in that. Just I, write it down that you don't forget. I I will do. But basically, like you, you he is like a. It's the worst. He he's just like someone just stuck a plank. <laughs> you know, you could just have a plank in in the space of James Bond, and it would have probably done a better job, I think, of <laughs> of getting his acting chops across. <laughs> mm. And I'll explain exactly why um, that is in the next episode. But so th- he is my least favorite James Bond for that. Um, excellent film. I can see why. Brilliant masterpiece of a film that he was in but he was you know he was the worst thing about it by far by a good distance so next up is roger moore um yeah so what do you guys uh what's your opinion on roger moore probably for me always the most fun bond because he has the best one-liners he you know is seems more jolly he's he's the bond who fucks up more than other bonds aside from daniel craig just being uh, ah he fucks up in terms of because shit happens to him uh because it's more of a tougher bond story or tougher bond stories uh, that he is in our uh, but um 
but uh, Roger Moore is more like he's the fun Bond. I don't know. He's the jolly Bond. He's the the not so serious Bond. And uh, I always enjoyed him for that, but I also didn't feel like uh, he was necessarily my favorite. He was in the goofy, in, in more goofy Bonds, in my opinion, and he had the more goofy go- Bonds portrayal. But uh, I don't know. Um, it, that's how it is. I liked him, but it's not like, hey, this is the Bond for me. It's just the most fun Bond, I guess. Hmm. It, it feels to me like the Batman 66 of James Yeah, Bond. yeah, yeah, that, that fits the bill. And he was in a comedy series with Tony uh, with Tony Curtis uh, that got severely hammed up for the German version. So maybe because I watched that, that's also that kind of transferred uh, to the Bond image and everything for me. So As yeah. the Persuaders, the TV show. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. They completely rewrote the script for that and, and for our country, and they were hemming out fucking one-liners and puns left and right. And as a kid, you love that shit, and I find it hilarious. And yeah, that's how I knew Roger Moore. And when I watched the Bond movies, and I was like, oh okay, he's the he's the funny Bond. <laughs> I get it. So yeah, hard to separate those two. Okay. Uh. So no easy way to say it. Uh. Roger Moore is my favorite James Bond. Like I love. Oh, nice! <laughs> absolutely. I don't think I've ever seen Roger Moore at like a like the number one on any list. I don't. Yeah, you're wrong about that, Brack. I've been watching a lot of stuff on YouTube, and Roger Moore is certainly a popular vote for best James Bond of all time. Um, he's my personal favorite James Bond. You know, I wouldn't have thought that going into mm, this ranking. Neither. Going into this, like, uh, watching all these James Bond movies back to back, like I did. I didn't go in thinking he was my favorite James Bond. To be honest, I went in thinking Daniel Craig was my favorite James Bond. Um, but that turned out not to be the case. Uh, Roger Moore is like someone putting a warm blanket from your childhood around your shoulders. Mm. That's, that's what Roger Moore is for me. He's just so intrinsically linked to my youth. Uh, you know, like that those Sundays when I was like 10 years old, sitting on the couch watching Octopussy or whatever. That's that's what Roger Moore is for me. He's he's linked to childhood innocence. Um. So uh, I I I had a read. I I've been reading a lot about uh, Roger Moore from his book and studying a lot of stuff on YouTube. And there was this really interesting thing that one of the producers of the Bond film said. It was like Sean Connery was like a really dark kind of serious person who had to lighten himself to play bond but roger moore was a really light soul who didn't have a violent bone in his body who had to darken himself to play james bond um Mm -hmm. and i think that that absolutely suits it you know uh and just like sean connery roger moore is never the bad thing about a james bond film He's perfect in everything. His suave wit, his lightness of touch, and the, his warmness that he brings um, to to the scenes uh, in his Bond movies is easily the best thing about those films. Uh, I don't think, like as Human Meta was saying, you know, sometimes the the bad guys overshadow Roger Moore. I don't think that's the case. He's always an incredibly likable hero. You always want to get behind him. Do you know what I mean? It's like the other James Bond are so cold, but you know, it always feels like Roger Moore's like the James Bond who might actually marry some of these Bond girls that he he spends time with. Hmm. Um 
yeah I, and i really love that about him he just seems like a really affable likable hero and also there's the other point where he's completely useless at fighting totally yeah he's just you can't buy him as a killer like not even in the slightest so it actually gives some of his fight scenes a little bit of tension you know because he spends a lot of those fight scenes getting his ass kicked frankly (laughs) you know where that's true you know if they that's that's what maybe that's the problem maybe that's not what i you know associated james bond with i expected him to be more of the I don't know, super killer assassin, mega spy, and Roger Moore was more of like the lovable fuck up for me. That, like you said, you I, it's the hero that kind of feels more like the underdog in certain parts than like yeah, the guy who has it figured all out. And if you're, you know, if if you like that in your James Bond, I can totally understand that. So it's just not what I associate with James I mean, Bond. This is a, James Bond for me is like the a relentless ass kicker. I mean, usually, I mean, you watch a uh, Roger Moore Bond fight scene, you know, and it's not like he's doing martial arts or something. It's just, it's just basically Roger Moore <laughs> just getting beaten the shit out from Bill at the Post until he <laughs> somehow finds a way to defeat the bad guy. <laughs> you know, usually by by doing you know something off to the side that the bad guy hasn't noticed. Um, that's kind of how his fight scenes go, and I I quite like that about him. And Roger Moore, um, I read an interesting interview with him, like his whole earnest behind his character or his portrayal of James Bond was that he he read an interview. And he read some of Fleming's books, and he specifically honed in on the quote: "Is like James Bond doesn't like killing people." at all um it's like it's something he has to do uh something he will do when he absolutely has to but he takes no pleasure from it and roger moore was like okay i'm gonna hone in on that and Mm. that's gonna be my my take on james bond like i'm not gonna enjoy killing these people i don't want to kill them i don't want to kill anybody that i don't have to kill at all um Mm. there's no pleasure in that for me like you know like i and I really like that about him, you know what I mean? He's the... If you were to invite any James Bond over for a nice cup of tea, it would be him. Mm-hmm. For sure. Sure. All right, so uh, coming on to uh, the guy who replaced Roger Moore, who is Timothy Dalton. Um, what do you guys think about Timothy Dalton? I think I'll rate it. I, I would like would have liked more Timothy Dalton. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's playing... I think in his first movie, maybe, uh, the bad thing was that he was trying to do a much more, like, movie. Mm-hmm. And in the second movie, he's more of, like, a colder uh, James Bond movie. And that his performance works per- perfectly for that. And actually, in that way, he's actually kind of close to Daniel Craig mm-hmm. with, like, the colder performance of James Bond. Which, uh, and I think he's great at it. And I, I just like Timothy Dutton as an actor a lot. So, uh, yeah, great. Mm. Yeah, I liked Timothy Dalton uh, too. I think License to Kill, and we're going to talk about it as a great mm. movie. And I think what Rex said is true that Timothy Dalton's portrayal there was very Daniel Craigish before Daniel Craig took the part. The very serious, the very no nonsense James Bond. So I like that. It's just he didn't make that many movies, which is a shame. So he has not really in a really iconic place in that role for me. And. Uh, also, you know, part of um, what I associate with James Bond is being also the smoothness in a way when he has to be, like mm-hmm. this really smooth way he can have uh, with hey. Sean Connery can hey. embody, which which Roger Moore can embody. That Timothy Dalton doesn't do that. He's a, he's an action hero, 
he's a stone cold uh, at least in license to kill stone no nonsense action hero he's a bruiser he can fight he can kill without problem and he has a grudge he's an anger in him so he's very daniel craigish in that regard but he's kind of missing the uh, the finesse in certain parts when he has to put that up, like Daniel Craig does in the uh, in Casino Royale when he plays the card game. I couldn't see Timothy Dalton playing that, doing that part with his version no. of the character. He he's he's got no suaveness in his bones, um, uh, Timothy Dalton. Um, I I I think he does in some of his other movies, but like definitely not in his James Bond. Yeah, no. Um, Although, you know, he's mastered Roger Moore's technique of undercover work um, in Hot Fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a slasher. I'm frightened. <laughs> That's basically Roger Moore undercover in every Bond movie. <laughs> but I do love him in Hot Fuzz. He's absolutely incredible in Hot Fuzz. Um, so my, my, my feelings about Timothy Dalton is a bit mixed. Uh... I feel he's too vanilla for me. There's nothing... He's outdone by Daniel Craig on the psychopath front. And <laughs> he's, uh, you know, on the dark front. And he's outclassed by Roger Moore and Sean Connery on the suave, you know, like, uh, classic quote front. So he's kind of stuck in a no-man's land. However, License to Kill, as we'll talk about in the next episode, License to Kill is fucking great, and I really love that film, and he's really good in it. So, and like Human Metal was saying, maybe if there was more films that leaned into what he could bring to the table, specifically relating to what he can do, um, then he would have, you know, perhaps had more of a shot to be further up the rankings. Um, uh, interestingly, some some interesting trivia for you that I have discovered. He was actually going to be in Goldeneye, uh, was Timothy Dalton, but then oh, interesting. yeah, the film got delayed for various legal reasons. Um, but it was written with Timothy Dalton in mind, and then finally, I... when actually Goldeneye came to be made, Timothy Dalton's contract timing had run out, and he was just kind of like, eh, you know what, uh, you know, I, I don't. Really I think want that to do movie Bond would fit, would have fit him very well. Yeah, yeah, maybe I think as well. So as well, I'm 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 I'm, uh, I'm glad they didn't go with him though. I'm glad they went with Brosnan, because he's just rocks. Let's talk about him. Yeah. Well, well hang on. Yeah, one, let's one, talk one, one more interesting thing uh, about Timothy Dalton. Uh, just a small piece of trivia. Uh, Roger Moore, in his book that I'm I, I've read, you know, glows about all the other James Bond. Uh, actors, um, except George Lazenby, he was saying he was very troubled, which George Lazenby was. I didn't get to mention that, but George Lazenby was a. F the reason he only did one Bond movie was because he was a fucking diva backstage, mm. a real diva, so and like like pranked everybody and were basically, oh, this James Bond is a fucking shit character, whatever. And uh, you know, I'm gonna get, I'm just gonna use this as a stepping stone to become more famous or whatever. And he was a total dick backstage. Um, so Roger Moore mentioned that, and he but he glows about all the other, you know, actors. Daniel Craig and Pierce Brosnan loves him. Completely blanks mm -hmm. Timothy Dalton though. I don't know. <laughs> just, oh, oh, that's like, that's yeah, he, for whatever reason, Roger Moore is just like Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton, yeah, License to Kill was too violent. Uh, Timothy Dalton, yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of mean. <laughs> but um. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Pierce Brosnan. Um, I'll let you guys go first. What do you think about Pierce Brosnan? 
Chris Brosnan, in my opinion, is like the best all rounder. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. he's the only one I think fits in both like the more brutal Bond movies and the silly Bond movies and the suave Bond movies. Like he 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 fits all those marks kind of perfectly. So I wouldn't say he's like the best at any either of those. Maybe he's a jack of all like, trades. But, but as yeah. an all rounder, he is he's he's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. The, the the thing is, he's yeah. I, I like he's one of in one of the you know he has the privilege of starring one of the best James Bond movies with Goldeneye. We'll get to that, uh, in my opinion at least, uh, and one of my personal favorites, Die Another Day. So that already eleva- elevates him a lot. Uh, <laughs> in terms of iconic performances, I would still probably rank him below Connery because I don't know something something missing. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Maybe on the I would put them on the same page. Thinking about them, uh, thinking about it uh, now, maybe because, like Rex says, he he can perform both things as good as Connery. Like in terms of you know suave and being a bit darker or ho- tougher when he has to be. It's just like I only like two of his movies, but uh, I like those a lot. So yeah, and I think his performance in those is pretty great and fun, respectively. So. Yeah, he's definitely a good Bond. Uh, yeah, he's. A, he, I, I think he's a great Bond. When I, we were talking about, you know, when you close your eyes and you think of James Bond, who's the first person you think of? Well, for me, it's Pierce Brosnan. Like that, his his face just immediately, boom. Uh, the second he appears, you know, in Goldeneye, there's no doubt he's James Bond. You know what I mean? He's just everything you ever imagined what James Bond should be. Um, mm. Uh. I think, like, uh, I saw, again, in the interview I saw with Pierce Brosnan, which was, you know, quite interesting, he was saying, you know, when he came into the role, he was wondering what he should bring to it, and he was looking back at the past of James Bond, and he was he was saying he loved Sean Connery, but equally, he also really loved what Roger Moore brought to the role, and he was saying, like, so what he wanted to do is just straight up pay homage to those, half Connery, half Moore that's where he should live and that's what he should bring to life um he was saying you know rather than trying to run in his own direction just lean on these other actors who had done great jobs in their own you know film series and just kind of like amalgamate them and that's exactly what he did like brack says that's why is the jack of all trades because he aimed for it he aimed to be mm. half more half connery and he, he just absolutely cracks it. But he's also got like a darker edge that sneaks in a bit of uh, Dalton as well. You know, um, there are a couple of really deliciously, really cold, brutal moments. Some of the most violent moments that James Bond ever had in the in the in the uh, Pierce Brosnan films. Um, you when- know what I could see? I could I could see Brosnan doing like an old man Logan with James Bond. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah I like, love uh, that. Uh, like especially like the way he looks now as well like it's perfectly like it, it could work i so, mean they're already apparently trying to do that with the new craig movie but you don't really buy it because craig doesn't look that old really and grizzled here because they're still trying to making him this lean machine so yeah. you can't have it both ways guys and either, you, <laughs> either you make him the super sexy kind of long, young looking guy or do you make the story about him fucking being an old ass guy coming out of retirement he looks nothing but, like coming out of retirement he looks like he's still in his bright 
fight in late 40s or something. So, but they do that with Skyfall, right? And Skyfall yeah. feels like, oh yeah, this is like the final Bob movie, like a story, right? And Spectre like hits after that, and it's like nothing happened. Like all the yeah, things about him being out of shape and being like kind of shitty and having shitty aim in Skyfall, like all that shit is gone. It's Spectre, yeah. right? Like it doesn't really. <laughs> and now they're bringing it back. <laughs> it's kind of dumb. So, uh. Yeah. I, I I do like that, and I, I do like uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan. I would actually, um, you know, I guess right at the end of this uh, of this segment, we'll talk about a, an actual ranking of of our actors because there's only six of them. But yeah, I think uh, Pierce Brosnan is a really good one for me. So that brings us on to the 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 most modern uh, James Bond, who is Daniel Craig, of course. Um, yeah, what do you guys think about Daniel Craig? Mm, Great. Probably my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I also don't Mine like all well. of his movies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he only has been in two good movies for me as well. Yeah. Two for uh, two. So, two yeah. for four. <laughs> um, yeah, so same as Brosnan. But I think I like his portrayal. Just I like that version of Bond maybe the most. Uh, you know, the, the tough, uh, troubled kind of guy. But, you know, who gets the job done and who can also be incredibly, like, I don't know. Suave, like I said, right, when he needs to be, but can switch in a moment, uh, you know, when he doesn't feel like it. Uh, the scene in Casino Royale where he's like uh, the the smoothest motherfucker at the table and then something, I don't know, rubs him the wrong way and the guy uh, at the, t- uh, the the bartender asks him, do you want it shaken or stirred like the martini? And he's like, do I look like I give a damn or something like that? <laughs> So it's like because he don't actually care. It's just an act, and but he's so convincing in that that uh, uh, yeah, it works great for me. I think and you know I love Casino Royale. We get to that, but uh, yeah, I think he 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 really is good in terms of the physical part. I mean, action scenes have evolved a lot since the other James Bonds. You got to be fair, just in terms of filming those scenes. Uh, so that might be a bit unfair. Maybe Pierce Brosnan would have been capable of this as well uh, if you know they had the people tra- right people training and the right people filming and stuff like that. So I don't know. But Daniel Craig is just like the right mix of super ass kicker, super ca- capable secret a- agent, suave when he needs to be, but also a bit more, let's say... You, you look at that guy and you feel like there's something brewing be- beneath the surface... Like there is, you know, some issues he has to do, work with, uh, to deal with, and stuff like that. He doesn't need to verbalize them. I don't get the feeling that from they, they don't even try to make that happen in the other bonds, and he benefits from maybe them trying, you know, the, his movies trying to go for that. So it makes him a bit more interesting, in my opinion. But that, you know, he's also capable of portraying that. So that, you know, is also a boon to him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's probably my favorite, my favorite bond. I would say. Brad, he's definitely the most uh, 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 convincing as a killer yeah. to be. There was a quote in the Roger Moore book I was reading where he was talking about Daniel Craig, and it was like he was saying, you know, Daniel Craig is terrifying. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like he, yeah. he, he seems like he could kill my version of James Bond with his little finger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Without a laughs> that, that's for sure. That's for sure, right? Like, uh, yeah, and he's like, he's built like a machine as well, right? Like, he's definitely like the most built from any of the, the bonds. Like, he, he yeah, yeah he, sure. he feels like he can kick ass. Oh so, yeah, that, that that's that's uh, 
appropriately. And I think he's charming, and he he plays the coldness really well, even though some of times, like you can actually see layers, which it doesn't really happen that much in both movies, where you see the actor having layers, where you can see him putting on a fr- up a front, right, when he's like actually hurt when in like uh, Casino Real, but he plays it like he is like not hurt, like he's a killer, like mm-hmm. it's like the. And and you can actually see that in his like his performance, his eyes and stuff like that. So I think that's really like he's a great actor, and uh, uh, yeah, I think the suaveness definitely feels like a front as well, and it is. And they make it a front in the in the, the movies for most of the time as well. So I think that fits. And yeah, I just like uh, great performance. I don't think he would work in a silly Bond movie. Like no, at all. not at all. Although, to be fair, Daniel I, Craig has played in silly characters in silly movies, and he's been great in that, but I don't see him as a silly Bond. Yeah, like, for some reason, I don't think it works. And like, even if it would work, and it would be fun, it would be such a... You wouldn't think it's the same Bond as his other performances, right? That's true. It would true. feel like a different person. Yeah. But uh, overall, I think he's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I uh, for me, uh, as again, we'll do a uh, ranking, but uh, I think he's my second favorite. I thought going into watching all of the uh, James Bond films that he was actually was my favorite, but it was only that really kind of nostalgic blanket around your shoulders uh, connection to innocence that put more over the top for me. Um, plus, I just like some of Moore's movies better. I mean, like Human Metal was saying. Uh, Daniel Craig is 50-50. He's got two great yeah. films and two pretty shoddy ones. Um, True. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's great. Obviously, the emotional layers are just absolutely fantastic, and he took Bond in uh, a new direction, which I think at this point in the franchise, he needed to go in that direction. Do you know what I mean? He needed to have more emotional layers. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where James Bond goes after this, but we'll get into that during the next episode. Um, let's not shoot our loads prematurely. Um, but yeah, not much else really to add. Um, I th- just think, you know, everybody went ballistic and was like a blonde, blue-eyed James Bond. What the fuck? That's not going to work. And everybody, like, you know, besieged the message shut- boards. And, you and know, everyone shut the fuck up when Casino Royale yeah, came out. And then Casino Royale came out and everybody was like, damn! Damn, that movie was hot fire. <laughs> and it was, yeah. It was great. It definitely like helps like I think it's an amazing movie, right? Like one of the best Bob movies helps you convince that this guy's great, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. it makes it a lot easier. If they started with uh, with Spectre, it's like, oh yeah. Mm. We told you yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. maybe the new one put will put him on uh, one over on the good side. So I, we'll see. I hope so. so. I hope so. Yeah, really I, hope so, so. Too. I think J- I think Daniel Craig absolutely deserves that. To go out I on mean, a high, do you know what I mean? So I can imagine Remy Malek putting uh, a good bad guy performance up there, so yeah, this might be interesting. It, yeah, and but I, then I again, like you can get you know what I mean? Huh? Like he's not uh, have, he hasn't done like fifty bad guy performances yet, so at least it's going to yeah. be a little interesting to watch. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, at the same time, you know what I mean. Like although Brack obviously disagrees with me, like when you heard Christopher Waltz was in the film, you're like damn, that must be great. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, 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 I didn't. Do it I was already like tired of Christopher Waltz playing his <laughs> bad guy at that point. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So uh, a quick ranking. So I, I guess I'll quickly start with mine. Um, uh, okay, so number one is obviously Roger Moore. Number two, Daniel Craig. Number three, Pierce Brosnan for me. Uh, number four, Sean Connery. Number five, 
uh, Roger Dalton. Roger Dalton? <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton, that's the one. I just got Roger Moore in the brain. He just lives in my head. Mm. Um, <laughs> Timothy Dalton, <laughs> number number six, obviously, uh, George Lazenby. Or, mm. or as I call him, Mr. Plank of Wood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how about you, All Breck? Right. What's your ranking? Uh, for me, it's Craig, Brosnan, uh, uh, Dalton, Connery, Moore, and I haven't seen anything of Lazenby, so I <laughs> to remedy that, that. Yeah. not because of Lazen B, but because no. of the movie itself. The movie's great. Um, <clears throat> uh, for me, it would be Craig, uh, then uh, Brosnan on Connery, and Connery probably on the same, like sharing second place. I know that's a cheat, shut the fuck up. Uh, and then probably Roger Moore next, just because he's jolly, and then Timothy Dalton and then George Lazen B. All right, there you go. So there we have it. That is our opinion of the uh, bottom-ranked 13 James Bond movies. Please join us on the next episode when we will be talking about the top 12 movies, and hopefully there should be a few more positive opinions in there. And, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, of course, if you have any opinions about the James Bond uh, films or the actors there therein uh, please sound off in the comment section and please join us next time you lose two hands of cards before totally trashing your opponent by winning everything he's ever owned his house his car his wife with the inevitable third hand. <laughs> <laughs>